sometimes in the middle of the night i'll text random people save martha like just randomly like if i wake up at like 3 (laughs) a.m Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cree and Skrull of all ages, welcome to the MCU Beyond Infinity podcast, a show where fellow like-minded Marvelites have assembled to discuss, review, theorize, and wax intellectual over any and all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is John, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host and fellow Egyptian god council member guy, Travis, to break down the sixth and final episode of the MCU Disney Plus series, Moon Knight, Gods and Monsters. Now, we here at the Beyond Infinity podcast have not minced our words when it comes to certain elements of this series that we've disliked. Did we want more Moon Knight in a television series called Moon Knight? We sure did. Did we expect a certain level of visceral violence as well as sequence choreographed action from a television series based on a character well known to have a level of visceral violence and well sequenced choreographed action? You bet we did. But at the end of the day, the creative team behind Moon Knight was very capable of translating an extremely complex, overly daunting, often confusing character to the silver screen making it surprisingly approachable to those who had no previous familiarity with Mark Spector and the Funky Bunch. Hell yeah, they did. And that is extremely, extremely admirable. And perhaps equally as admirable, this series, above any other installment in the massively successful franchise that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, seem to have zero interest in merely expanding the MCU. And it was interested in telling a story, not telling another chapter of a larger franchise. Dot, 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 Travis, for now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming. Without a doubt. Probably later this year. (laughs) I was about to ask. So we were kind of under the assumption, and, and I don't know if it has actually been said or not, but... Uh, For some reason or another, I thought that this was kind of like a standalone thing. This was a one season thing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if they were going to be capable of getting Oscar Isaac back to reprise this role. I can't see there being a Moon Knight movie. I'm trying to think where he would fit in. I've been thinking the same thing. He kind of has to. If you're going to do the weird uh, surreal stuff, you kind of need it to be his thing to a degree or... Or in a weirder story, like uh, like Man Thing, or uh, where Boy Knight, where you can do the mystical stuff uh, more easily. Uh, but yeah, I don't foresee like a Moon Knight movie, and I do think they said there wasn't going to be a second season. But add famous last words on the MCU Beyond Infinity podcast that we'll get to it eventually. Um, this episode and series essentially ends on a bit of a cliffhanger like a next time on moon Knight. Yeah, get ready for does. this it does. you know That's true. and 
that seems like a setup of an empty promise that I'm not necessarily like complaining about. I, I was telling you before we we went on air and we started recording that I was happy that we delayed doing this episode mm-hmm. last week when it was so fresh in my mind because I went back and I rewatched it and I actually found it a little bit more compelling and engaging and I, and I admired it a little bit more than I had on first viewing. Although this was my favorite episode of the show as a whole, I think mm-hmm. um, it had a lot of glass plates spinning and I was really curious how they were going to wrap up, you know, all of the plot lines and resolve everything neatly within such a, kind of confined time frame we knew that this was going to be the shortest episode it was like just over 30 minutes like how long was this like 40 35 yeah yeah it was something like 40 i think but we had to resolve you know mark coming back from the dead mark rescuing steven everything with layla stopping harrow harrow getting the crocodile god mm-hmm. everything with moon knight and then actually fit in a compelling Moon Knight fight, hopefully, because we haven't gotten many of them. And God knows we haven't gotten a Moon Knight in the show yeah. called Moon Knight for three episodes now. I was going to say, did you uh, see the video I posted to our Facebook group of the the fighting they did not do for episode one? That they had planned? I did not. It actually was good. But yeah, it was like this very early, just trying guys working stuff out. In a bathroom. Did they, was it the context of, oh, like the context of the fight? Was it the bathroom sequence with the jackal werewolf monster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Every uh, action bit of Moon Knight that we've seen so far, with really the exception of the like weird, like horse polo Mad Max 3 Thunderdome at the Rich Guy Mansion <laughs> bit, um, yeah, yeah. has like shied away from showing too much. Um, are you sure? Because Kevin Feige told me that uh, <laughs> there were times when they thought they were going to have to pull back, but they didn't. They, uh, this is a new thing for them. Where it was, Moon Knight was just wailing on a guy. Yeah, Moon Knight. It's Moon Knight, man. Where do you think that was? <laughs> I have a feeling. I don't think it's, it wound up in the final product. I was about to say, oh. I don't think it wound up in the final product at all. And I am curious if they filmed these blackout beatdown scenes and then kind of show, They're gonna show them to us later. showed it to the ratings board while editing and thought, no, mm-hmm. no, no, you cannot get away with this. Um, and that's where we got the do, 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 like the cool sound editing and the cuts and then him waking up. Because <laughs> the yeah. yeah. there's a massive one in this episode where like he's about to get stabbed in the chest and then it is, dude, he wakes up and shit. It is the climax of, of the episode. And, and shit's on fire. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. madness, and we don't see it. And um, I think it was, was that the first episode where he was in the Eastern European country? I think it was the second. Yeah, earlier on. I yeah, yeah, I, I forget, too. It's kind of, like, all blurring together. But but that Eastern European mm-hmm. sequence, that was the first time we saw the do 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 they're like cutting out and the blackout and him like holding the scarab and it just being covered in blood and at that point in time i thought oh like kind of a cool gimmick and i had just watched uh friend of the podcast uh henry portia the serial killer uh (laughs) i almost called him norman reedus holy shit i'm so michael rooker i'm so (laughs) fucking spaced out uh audience i apologize i had a hard day at work and a window fell out of my home today um it was a lot uh so 
uh, I had recently watched Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer literally the day prior to us doing the the Moon Knight episode for, for whatever episode mm-hmm. that was. And there's this great storytelling device used in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And for the listeners who, who don't know or, you know, haven't heard a previous episode of Beyond Infinity where we have blabbered about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. We are the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe podcast that talks about this film far more than any others, uh, more than we have the mm-hmm. right to. Um, but there's that, that that great opening sequence where it's like, get to know Henry, the serial killer. And you see him like pulling up to a gas station and the guy's pumping his gas and he goes inside to pay him. And then it shows him leaving. And instead of showing him like murder, the guy, yeah, yeah, you get that quick cut to the guy just being torn apart inside the gas station. And then, you know, he leaves the waitress a tip and then you see him pulling out of the, um, of the diner and it cuts really quick split second in the diner. And the girl's got like the bottle in her head and she's like all tied up. So like that, you know show really briefly but don't show the action but like you get the idea like holy shit this guy is like this this mm-hmm. monster monster of a man uh can be used very cleverly and in the beginning of the series we had all assumed those were him blacking out and turning into mark specter uh, as we've learned by the end of the show those don't seem to be the doing of mark those seem to be the doing of the third um personality that is jake lockley who they've made a mexican guy in this or something he's got a spanish accent uh he speaks spanish uh yes yes uh i am not going to hazard a guess on uh, which spanish speaking country jake lockley thanks <laughs> it's a choice <laughs> it is a choice um but but again like i thought that they were using that device as the like what's going on with this guy who's the other identity and then we get mark so i'm like okay now we see mark we're gonna see mark do his fucking thing right yeah yeah we know that mark is a mercenary and he would like he is the second best fighter probably in this episode you argue Stephen grant is the best fighter (laughs) well no no mr knight has some of the best action has better action than uh uh, Moon Knight himself, but mm-hmm. uh, it's hand to hand, hand to hand, and we get to see him use the batons rather effectively, which is neat. Um, mm. The splitting between the two of them is really neat. Them learning to work in simpatico. <laughs> I'm trying to use a word I don't know how to use. In simpatico. Uh, in sync. Yes. yes in sync. Oh, bye, bye, bye. Um, they, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that all works really well for me. But I mean, before we start diving into the episode, Travis, I do kind of want to say uh, another thing other than rambling about Henry Porch of a serial killer that you and I and Kira really like to do here at the MCU Beyond Infinity podcast is throw out wild speculation for C, D, E, F, G level characters. Z level villains. Yes. yes, it may eventually pop yes. up. Yeah. Uh, we had the master pandemonium throughout one division who we thought was going to pop up there. There'd been plenty of these um, throughout our time here at the show over the course of the past 13 months, 14 months now, Um, (laughs) which is insane that we've been doing this every week for 14 months. God bless every single person who listens to this big shout outs. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Tell your friends um, or we'll kill you. Uh, (laughs) um, But we rarely do get any of those right. There has been no Mephisto uh, to be determined if Gus the Goldfish is in cahoots with Kang the Conqueror. Um, 
we did have a lot of great thoughts. A blind squirrel will find it out every now and then, and we kind of did with this one. I'd rather you did. I was not familiar with the But you piggybacked uh, off my theory so well, and you and I formulated a theory of our own, which, like, if we were going to publish our mathematical theory <laughs> to the textbook of, of like, wild speculation for for you know, media based off things with capes and tights. Um, you and I would get uh, shared credit here uh, because we noted and I, I had originally noted in the first episode that, you know, because Arthur Harrow is such, you know, we, we're talking Z level villains. He's a fucking one off yeah. was in one comic. He was a Nazi with like, they couldn't feel pain. Right? He was like a, yeah, a Nazi yeah. who couldn't feel pain, who did experiments and all that. But we also noticed uh, was Sun King is another popular hero. Mm-hmm. And and essentially, like, we didn't think that Ethan Hawke's portrayal of Arthur Harrow was going to necessarily be a direct adaptation of that character, because why would it? So mm-hmm. I was kind of looking into, like, who would he kind of be basing his things off of? And one of the big MacGuffins of this series. Who are the the, the, tw- the 12 Moon Knight villains that exist? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that are just like nameless thug that he punched. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or Conchu, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, one the big MacGuffin every Marvel movie has to have at least one MacGuffin. Some movies like Doctor Strange have twelve of them, uh, sometimes multiple copies <laughs> of the same one. Um, but uh, you know, the the golden scarab was a big MacGuffin throughout this thing, this compass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking like why would they have changed his girlfriend's name as well to Layla Alfuli? That's really interesting. And we went off on how there's only mm-hmm. been two Layla's in the comics and we didn't really think. Oh yeah. It definitely wasn't Layla Miller. Oh yeah. yeah. Don't even get me started on Layla Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I know way too much about Layla Miller from researching the house of M story mm-hmm. arc during our fucking oh, yeah, uh, yeah. WandaVision episodes. Um, but there, there was this character by the name of the Scarlet Scarab, uh, who was a archaeologist, much like Marlene's father was in the in the mm-hmm. comics for for Moon Knight, who kind of got corrupted by this magical scarab, essentially Blue Beetle for Marvel, Egyptian <laughs> superhero with like magical yeah. scarab thing, and got wings, you know, and and his mm-hmm. name was I can't pronounce his first name but i think it was abdul el fuli or something along those lines something, something like, that. like yeah, yeah. that so we're thinking okay maybe the scarab thing you know arthur harrow is going to end up being the scarlet scarab and then you noted in the second episode how you're like i think that layla is going to end up being this amalgamation because she's kind of getting sick of mark shit maybe she's going to be like you know, not break bad, but kind of be this like anti-hero and get the Scarlet Scarab powers herself. Mm-hmm. And she didn't break bad, but we essentially no, no. And at this point, I don't expect her to. And but they kind of just made this kind of nothing uh, Scarlet Scarab character into someone that's interesting and uh, like moving forward. I like when they elevate characters from the comics and with these movies, and I'm just now waiting for them to pop up back in comics in a much more notable role. Kind of. Absolutely, and I could see Layla Abdul um, 
or El Fooly Jesus. Not trying to be racist. Uh, <laughs> not trying to sound like a fucking intolerant jackass. Just really bad at names. Uh, I could see Layla El Fooly uh, popping up in the comic books and and becoming a thing and and utilizing this Scarlet Scarab ability that we saw her get. But I do think that we mm-hmm. deserve a brief humble brag for actually getting one of these really wild and speculative theories uh, on the nose. Like you said, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while in the cabbage patch or whatever. Um, I also want to kind of like talk really briefly about how the he he's not the showrunner jeremy slater has been the showrunner but the guy who's been directing the majority of the episode and the guy who really seemed to shape this show outside of jeremy mm-hmm. slater even more so than jeremy slater is uh the director mohammed Diab, um who's an egyptian filmmaker made these egyptian films and and has really gone out of his way to say you know we want a good representation of our country and, and modern day Egypt in media. Mm-hmm. And this is a way for me to put that forward on a really high volume platform. So a lot of eyes get on it, a lot of ears get on it and show Egypt and Egyptians for who they actually are in the real world. And mm-hmm. we were kind of joking about how he hasn't really done like the best job because it's like, Oh, they're running over oh, yeah. like markets and the streets. And there's like, you know, it's like kind of, there's temples. <laughs> like every time you've seen Egypt, you've seen what you've seen here pretty much. I kind of wonder if he was talking specifically about what, they've done with Layla's character, where there's, I want to say Scarlet Scarab was a villain in the comics, right? Yes. And, or even an Egyptian superhero, and because of uh, comics' uh, tradition of being kind of pro-wrestling in their nationalism, it made them a bad guy for certain 100%. <laughs> not American. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. They, if you're not a Hulk Hogan, you're the Iron Sheet, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, uh, and, like, we were kind of saying, you know, maybe he was staying away from things. Like, we were joking, like, the, the Temple of Doom kind of racism, where mm-hmm. it does seem kind of fun and kitty, and they'll be, like, a, a fun-loving monkey sidekick with a fez on, stealing apples yeah, yeah. or, like, stealing the key and then things like that. Um, but recently in some interviews... I found of Mohammed Dieb uh, even before he was on this show and he had just done that, um, that airways film that I can't ever remember the fucking name of. Um, <laughs> he did not like wonder woman 1984 very much. And I don't know if you remember, but like the power struggle going on in Egypt at the time was like a pretty big plot point in that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I vaguely recall that. I, I've only seen that one once. It wasn't really my cup of tea. Uh, I feel like I should, like, I don't want to say download that movie illegally, but I should find a means to get it onto my computer and upload it into Final Cut or Adobe Premiere and make, like, a solid 95-minute <laughs> version of that movie. Yeah, yeah, that would help. Yeah, yeah like, help. trim the fat from it, and that movie would work just fine. But there is a... um there is a portion of that film where they go to Egypt and I think it got banned in Egypt because of it. And they like have like the president of Egypt and the president of Saudi Arabia, like get into a fight and like build giant walls over gasoline, like crazy shit happens. And he was like, really like, this is fucked up and and silly. Um, And I could see the uh, issue there. Well, (laughs) with Layla's costume, notably, 
Um, it's kind of the Golden Eagle armor from Wonder Woman 84, but better, in my opinion. It it really is. I shouldn't need the headpiece. Uh, for one, like the falcon, uh, and just like her natural hair being curly, it's all a good look. And the little bit of red, it's fucking a dope costume. Maybe the coolest bird-winged hero we have in the MCU at the moment. Yes. I know we have Sam Wilson's Captain America, but... <laughs> and we have, um, uh, Jesus, Hope Van Dyne as well. Yes, yes. Uh, and we're probably going to be getting a second Falcon. Uh, soon we're going to have to have a tier list of heroes and their gimmicks. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we can keep track of all the winged guys. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the shield guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's- well, like part of the new uh, Marvel multiverse role playing game where I got the, what's the name <laughs> of this? Playtest rule book. They actually like categorize like what kind of hero you could be and they call them like the blaster heroes and it's like all the guys that shoot sonic yeah bl- that reminds me of like a uh a toy biz or hasbro um uh meeting i read a recap of when they were doing the x-men and the marvel uh figures way back in the 90s and it was just like is this person a, a gun guy or is he a sword guy and that's just kind of how they went through all of the characters 100 like, accessories do we get to yeah. Well, like Marvel at that time was also like owned by Toy Biz, I believe, right? Oh yeah, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, some that was the pre-Disney buyout. I think Toy Biz bought them out and like brought them public, so there was like you could actually buy stock in Marvel at like a brief period of time, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Um, I recently put twelve hundred dollars into Disney stock. <laughs> I don't know if I told you this, Travis. All right, <laughs> investing not. corner, investing corner. Um, back in the heyday of the pandemic, uh, the year of our Lord, 2020 or year of, um, I don't even want to put Satan's name cause he's got a pretty good name in my book on the year of 2020. I kind of like that. I, I like Satan more than the Lord. So I'll say the year of our Lord, 2020, uh, Disney stocks dropped below $100 for the first time in like forever. Mm-hmm. So, so I dumped a bunch of money into it, you know, because I wasn't fucking doing anything. I wasn't doing anything. I was working from home. I was on, I had like four monitors. I, that's when I shaved my head. I was wearing the same fucking like Sean Kemp basketball Jersey, like every single day. At one point during the pandemic, I cut my foot and like, hadn't changed my socks in so long that by the time I took my (laughs) sock off, it was stuck to my fucking foot because it was covered in blood. And I had to like stick it in like a hot bath to like peel it off. It was bad time, bad times all around bad times at the old Royale or whatever the name of that fucking Dakota Johnson movie (laughs) is. Um, but so, so I had all this fucking money. I wasn't doing anything. And I put it into the Disney stocks and they went up like fucking crazy. And then, Times got tough and I had to sell them, but it was nice. I, you know, quick little pump and dump made some money. Um, Recently with the uh, don't say gay bill going on in Florida, um, (laughs) because Florida is like insane. Um, Mm -hmm. For some reason or another, Disney stocks like tanked really quickly. Same thing with like Netflix tanked. A lot of media companies like tanked recently. I don't know necessarily all the factors, but I do think. It was mainly they're going woke. Mm hmm. Or basically, like, they were in the news for something and people got nervous that Disney was going to, like, openly say something that was going to make people mad. So, like, you know, 
Oh, I yeah. So they're like, oh, before it drops, I'm going to get my money out before like Disney goes and says like, no, we're not listening to you. We're going to start our own country because we have all the money in the world. You know what I mean? Um, so, so Vatican II. Exactly. Yes, yes. Uh, so they went below $100 for the first time in a really long time. And I was sitting here like, eh, why, why the fuck not? I can eat ramen noodles for a couple months. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I did that. Now I'm sitting on it. Uh, I'll give you an update in a couple months, but um, maybe I'll buy a microphone or something i I don't know (laughs) i usually don't use that money wisely it's kind of always like oh something shiny and exactly uh so investment corner over the god i feel like this um you know having the the Doctor Strange happening last week. It's it's funny because I feel like it's been forever since the first time I watched this episode. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I whenever I went to rewatch it yesterday, I could barely remember anything. My memory's just shot. I guess at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's gone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. This is almost like a first time watch. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, yeah uh, like same thing here. And like, this is the first week, I think, since the Batman where I haven't written like a 14 page fucking thesis on yeah, the episode. Yeah, well, also, like after Multiverse of Madness, like coming back to rewatch this and it just feels kind of It felt so quaint. And, yeah, yeah, it's just a nice digestible 40 minutes and it's nice. It was nice. It was a nice thing to come into today and i and i really did like revisiting it before we started recording today um but the episode starts with i forgot the name of the song that starts with but there there's like this like 60s pop song um Mm -hmm. and we basically start with mark scepter dead we're back in the real world essentially we're we're no longer in the asylum and the field of reeds and the land of the dead where where mark specter's dead body at the tomb of alexander the great and arthur harrow collects amet's ushapti from from specter's dead corpse and um leaves to complete the ritual there was like a brief moment in here where i laughed pretty fucking hard before where Harrow's like pulling Spectre's body back and Layla's like on the side of like a pillar and beats the snot mm-hmm. out of some guy and no one says a thing basically yeah yeah I want to say they, they hear a little something but then they go back to whatever they were doing or something mm-hmm. yeah yeah was that guy laying on the floor the whole time yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah it, it was really funny um he also leaves Spectre with the little uh, scarab. Jesus, I can't believe I can't remember that because we were just talking about it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> he leaves him with the little scarab, which I thought was like kind of crazy because it's like, that thing is probably kind of valuable. It's made of gold. I would have like made a necklace out of it. You know, I would have done something with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, keep I, keep fake. I guess he's trying to send a Yeah, I would have put it on my puka shell uh, necklace or something. <laughs> <laughs> um this is the moment that you were kind of laughing about and that you were worried this was going to be the big villain of the episode. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Like I've been waiting for an alligator goddess and they have him uh, do this magic thing where his cane changes one side of it to an axe. And then it, that is all that scene is. And I thought, oh, surely that isn't all they're doing here. Just giving him a magic weapon. 
it barely looks different from his regular cane. <laughs> it looks significantly cooler than his regular cane does. I will say that. It has the head of a <laughs> crocodile, and then the other side is like a battle axe, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Despite us... N- it's a dainty one, though. It's, it's a small. It battle is a small axe. battle axe. Um, the Northman was released uh, digitally this week to purchase uh, for like twenty oh, bucks yeah. or something. I have uh, purchased it and watched it four times uh, since Thursday, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds crazy, <laughs> and I feel like I'm going crazy. Um, yesterday, I brought weights into my bedroom and like had it on my computer and was like lifting them while I was watching it and was like, oh, this is my life now. I'm turning into a wolf, man. <laughs> you know, turning. Getting ready to play Sabretooth. Just like an Alexander Skarsgård guy. I, I know. 100%. Skarsgård would be a great Sabretooth. Um, he's so charming in interviews. I don't know if you've seen interviews with him for the Northmen, but he's like, he's so kind. He seems so kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seemed like a really nice guy. But, yeah, uh, but Sabretooth is like unabashedly like a rapist. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a cool character. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he looks awesome, but yeah, he's not someone you want to hang out no. with unless you're into rape. And now he's essentially just used as we need someone to fight Wolverine in the woods. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's you know he's been his thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, he's also like uh, a guy that gets beat up to establish a new character. Uh, always, somewhat. Always, uh, always. I think Romulus was used that way, and then yeah, he's not like a, an upper tier ex villain anymore. Yeah. Huh? He used to be back in like the nineties. He was kind of like a go-to. Oh, yeah. Like when I thought of like, who's a cool X-Men villain. I'd be like, Omega red and saber. T- <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I think we get Omega red fairly early in a few. You do. Yeah. You, only because we haven't gotten him before in the movies in any reasonable capacity. And then the Russians are doing stuff again. So, well, yeah, that's we true. That old Cold War goodness. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, we kind of like got the MCU Cold War movie like recently with um with a uh, Black Widow. Black Widow. Yeah, and and yeah. Omega Red. Like for the listener who doesn't know who Omega Red was, he he was this like serial killer like monster, um, who mm-hmm. like kind of like Carnage. You know what I mean? Except like really big. Um, and he was put into this Russian prison cell and they were trying to, as always, the Russians are always trying to create their own super soldier and it happens every like 20 years. Yes. But he was like part of the Russian super soldier experiment. Right. And then Mm -hmm. that like advanced his mutant abilities. Is he a mutant? I think so. I, I know that. He's got the, the, the carbonadium uh, tentacle thing. It's, Is carbonadium uh, a scientific term? <laughs> absolutely. I, I think it probably definitely maybe exists in real Probably life. definitely I, maybe exists. <laughs> I, I may have seen it on the periodic table of the elements. I'm not sure, but it's been a while. It has been a while. Um, yeah, I, I again, like the, the similarity between that origin, carnage, and also, um, <laughs> what's his name? The guy from Stranger Things who was in Red Guardian, right? 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like really similar, and and like you know, I I I don't know. <laughs> Would I like to see Omega Red? Yes. Why? Because he's got giant muscles and a ponytail. Um, <laughs> you know. Oh, you thought that I had like a plot reason why I thought we'd see him soon? No, it's because he looks cool. He <laughs> looks, <laughs> and we haven't seen him on screen yeah. yet. And yeah, he's in Deadpool two in the background, but it's like a shit version. Is there someone big enough? Oh, Alexander Skarsgård, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> He's just going to be playing a dual role of mm-hmm. Sabretooth and Omega Red. Yeah. yeah, that is the other issue is that he's a fucking giant. Skarsgård is a fucking monster. And um, mm-hmm. it's funny because, like, he is so kind in these interviews. I mean, much like his father, you know, the, the great Stellan Skarsgård, also in the MCU mm-hmm. already. Um, and, like, every... We just gotta wait for Bill. No? Yeah, we I do. Guess. Who's like? Well, I mean, granted, neither of the other two Star Jars are actually in this into this your fan casting nonsense. <laughs> Isn't Bill doing the crow? He is. He is against advisement. <laughs> you don't think that role would be good? Nah, <laughs> uh, it has a stigma around it. Like not like a, a curse or anything silly like that, but just like a. There have been a, a lot of bad crow movies at this yeah. point. But this is actually going to be something going to the theater. Yeah. So. Uh, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Eddie Furlong played that character once. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> Eddie Furlong is a true Hollywood like tragedy too, because um, much like Jake Lloyd or something. Um, even though mm-hmm. <laughs> Jake Lloyd, I'm not going to argue like he had a great performance ever in a film, uh, but but he did. <laughs> like he had a young performance. You know what I mean? Or uh, yeah, yeah. It's it sucks. Uh, how the fans treated. Yeah, kid. his it's, fall from grace was rough. Um, but but Eddie Furlong had like an immaculate performance. Some might say in Terminator Two, like truly great. Um, mm-hmm. it was kind of. I mean, me as a child, John Connor in that movie was. I I put him on such a high pedestal as a kid in kindergarten who saw that movie in theaters when he was far too young to see it. <laughs> Where I just thought, like, God, I want to be as cool as this kid. I want to be able to, like, hack an ATM and, like, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. know, like, hang out with a Terminator. Have a, a, a cool friend with a uh, ginger mullet. Always wanted a cool friend with a ginger mullet, like, who, who like, probably came from, like, a terrible, abusive home. You know, like, uh, <laughs> like a Nelson from The Simpsons. They don't tell you, but it's definitely what's going on The there. subtext yeah. is there. Like, I know everything about that kid before they tell me anything about that kid. They don't even have to, you yeah. know. Um, but Eddie Furlong was fucking great, and that guy, like, looks like he got stung by like a million bees now he's like really big and really puffy and turns out like he had horrible- oh yeah yeah i saw him in the uh night of the demons remake and there was a bit i laughed unintentionally because i was he's being hauled up by like a rope and i was just imagining if it broke because of yeah, the weight <laughs> and it was not a very nice thought on my part but yeah I uh, was it not like a brolic robot was it like a weak robot that that couldn't hold uh his weight you think <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm going to say there was something that made me think of it, like something else fell down from the rope or something. And yeah, I was just imagining them hauling this guy up. (laughs) I I just popped into my head. I was thinking about like cool workout routines I could do for to get in Northman shape. I'm six foot three. I know Mm -hmm. Skarsgård's like six, eight, but like I'm tall. Like maybe there's Mm -hmm. something I can do. And and, like part of me was like, maybe I can get two steroids, steroids, one, one steroids, uh, two eat like 20 
like hold cods and like four chickens a day. Uh, mm-hmm. Three, um, <laughs> get two battle axes, find a tree, and just climb the tree by like hatcheting into it yeah, yeah. and and seeing how that works out for me. I will say after <laughs> after Batman v Superman, we got a tire and brought it into the backyard for a moment, which was pretty fucking funny. Um, because mm-hmm. we were all impressed by Ben Affleck's CrossFit <laughs> <laughs> routine in there. Um, did you? A lot of people do it. Yeah, yeah. Did you think it was weird how Layla just left Mark's body in that tomb? Like, <laughs> she's not the sentimental type either. Uh, just, mm-hmm. What was she gonna do? She wasn't uh, empowered by God yet. She can't really lift the guy. This is right. Corpses are heavy. They, that's not dead weight, literally. <laughs> she drops him into the pond too. She like pushes him back into the water before she leaves. Uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And then she goes into disguise. And by disguise, I mean, she like puts a piece of cloth over her face and follows Harrow and his followers who are. <laughs> At least it wasn't like a baseball cap and the hoodie that they normally give us. That's so, yeah, true. Just... Although that is such a good look on both Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans in The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. They both <laughs> look so good in that mall sequence oh, yeah. specifically. You know what I mean? Um, there's mm-hmm. that scene where they're like at the Apple store. And um, all I could think was like, if I was in public and I saw those two people, I would just be like, look at these fucking movie stars. You know what I mean? Like you cannot hide. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't see people that look like that every day, especially together. And then there was, um, there's like that bit in Civil War where like Sharon Carter, Falcon, and 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 Chris Evans are all like, you know, sitting at like coffee shops and like they're putting their finger hands up to their ears all the time. It's like very obviously like, oh, that guy's up to no good. That movie star sitting, having that <laughs> cup of coffee with their hand up to their ear, very obviously fucking doing something. They're they're not up to any good. So I guess this is a believable disguise with a piece of cloth. Um, so Harrow's on his way to... Did, oh. did Harrow have... Well, I guess, yeah, he did have Lady Henchman. I was just trying to think. He did. He yeah, did. yeah. So yeah, she can fit in yeah. there. I mean, I think that one of them would be like, who are you? You know what I mean? Like somebody there, like middle management wise, uh, mm-hmm. is probably taking a roster, you know, like, all right, who'd we start with? Okay. Joss Whedon's gone. Who, who we got, who yeah, we got left, yeah, you know, on their way back to Giza, they get stopped by the Egyptian border patrol and, um, Ethan Hawke got to bathe in the river of ham. I I've loved his performance so far. He seems to be having, such a good time. Ethan Hawke is like, um, like film Twitter's boyfriend, in my opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, um, and for him to kind of like be involved in a project like this is it's yeah because he's an indie guy. He works with Richard Linkletter, and like, yeah, he makes schlocky movies, mm-hmm. but they're always with like someone kind of interesting. Like Scott Derrickson is mm-hmm. not the most interesting guy, but he's like, you know, not just fucking the guy no one alan whatever who made he's not slumming it no, at any no. point he's not making one yeah. of those um new moon movies or what's the production company that does uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does, uh, he's not doing puppet masters 12 or whatever <laughs> no, right? no. It's, yeah. no what's the uh the dune productions or whatever like michael bay owns it and they do all the horror movie remakes um you know what I'm talking about? No, not Blumhouse. Right I'm talking about the guys who did Friday the 13th remake, Texas Chainsaw remake. Oh, 
yeah, yeah. I can't think of what that company's called. Something yeah, Dune or something. That. I don't know. But that, that company's owned by like uh Brett Ratner yeah, yeah. and Michael Bay. It's owned by like two known creeps. Um <laughs> even though I think you should watch Ambulance because it's insane. Uh watch which watch Ambulance, uh the new Michael Bay movie starring oh, okay. Yeah, um okay. Jake Gyllenhaal and the guy who played um, Dr. Manhattan and the new Watchmen and uh, the mm-hmm. new Candyman, that guy. who, who I, yeah. I love that guy. Like, I love that guy. And um, the really, really hot Hispanic girl from Baby Driver, she's in it. Mm-hmm. He's a Gonzalez. Um, she's the person you call when Anna de Armas says no. Um, but she, 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 (laughs) she's surprisingly like really good in it. And, and believe it or not, ambulance is kind of like the best representation of like, it's like, it's like, um, first responders, like the movie, <laughs> like for first responders oh, yeah. to like look cool. Cause like a huge thing is like at the end of the day, I just roll up my sleeves and say, that's my job. You know, I just did the most fucked up thing ever, but you know, that's just another <laughs> day's work for being a first responder that nobody bothers to think mm-hmm. about, you know? Um, it's also the film where Michael Bay found out what an FPV drone is and cinema was changed forever. Um, he flies them through car chases and explosions. Uh, like mm-hmm. it's no thing for no reason. Um, you might get motion sickness watching it. And um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is cocaine incarnate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he spends the majority of the movie screaming. Um and singing random songs it's so fucking weird um so harrow uh ethan hawk the inner film twitter's <laughs> ex-boyfriend our current boyfriend uh gets to have a lot of fun here when <laughs> one of the cops says like put up your heads and he's like put up your souls and then does the thing and like turns them all to purple and um this was the part that kind of confused me so like all the cops are dead and uh, one of the lady henchmen actually says like everyone out of the cars and they start going into the cop cars. And I'm thinking like they have these Hummers and these Jeeps. Why are they getting out and like going into these minivans that these, the border yeah, yeah. patrols doing, but I think it was just so Layla could get out of the car. So this corpse of a cop uh, could start talking to her. Yeah. So was Layla protected by the vehicle or was she just out of range with this uh, AOE attack? <laughs> Do you think he directed it only at the cops and not at his followers? Possibly. Yeah, that would make the most sense, probably. Or we can say that maybe her scale's, maybe balanced. Her scale's balanced, dude. Maybe her scale's balanced. Mm-hmm. You know what kept bothering me a little bit in this episode? Uh, frequently, Amit and Harrow um, talk about how they, they use scales like pluralized, like they'll use the word scale pluralized and they'll be like, my last avatar scales were perfectly balanced. And I'm thinking, why are they saying scales? You know, are are each one of those a scale? So when there's two of them next to each other, it's scales. I thought the whole contraption itself was a scale, like singular scale. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I've only ever dealt with digital ones in real life, so <laughs> I have to clean them off after every time. <laughs> of course, especially when you're taking them in a vehicle yeah. with you afterwards. Mm-hmm. Putting yeah. a piece of paper down on it and then pushing the tear button. <laughs> 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 or like a little 
Yeah, really good at decimals for Italian yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I knew exactly how anyway. much a dollar weighed on one of those things <laughs> at a single point in time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, not yeah. going to incriminate ourselves just yet. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah. Not, not yet. yet. Not, not yet. yet. I, I, you, since you mentioned that uh, Annette's uh, previous avatars still balance perfectly, this is, this is a little bit later on. That she mentions it was 2,000 years ago. Was she talking about Jesus? Oh, wow. <laughs> Is that that is just a weird coincidence that uh, Alnix, Avatar, and Jesus are hanging out in the same time? Because Jesus was be- after a- he's a good guy. He, some would say he's a some Maybe. would say he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a friend of his, but whatever. We're all his children, apparently, <laughs> except for Mark Spector. Was he one too or not? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but Jesus was before Alexander the Great, right? Or after Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was like BC. Like, we sound so stupid right now. (laughs) I haven't been in a history class in more like 15 years Mm -hmm. or more. Yeah, I don't. uh, I was good at the time. I'm strictly watching Uh, Viking history videos on YouTube right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say after. I'm going to say Jesus was after Alexander the Great, too. Um, I mean, you mentioned the. Oh, no, no. I, I was saying Alexander the Great was. Uh, after you Jesus, think so? Because like Egypt was Moses, right? Pharaohs were like Moses. So like, right? And then like okay, the yeah, Roman, which is, uh, the, Ro- the yeah, Romans. Yeah, Alexander the Great was just briefly before okay. Jesus. I don't okay. know. Like three hundred years before. Okay. Around, thank thank God about. we clarified that because I'm like doing like dumbass fucking stoner. <laughs> history math in my head i was like okay so moses was the pharaohs and then the romans were jesus and greece was before the romans listen if you want to know world history this is not the podcast for you if you want to learn how to properly carry your digital skills that this may be the podcast. If, no. if you want to learn everything about danny ketch <laughs> the west coast avengers <laughs> and how to tear a digital scale we got you covered <laughs> dot com that's where you would go to learn all those things <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> okay, so, so no, no, I yeah, do yeah. want to say uh, before we talk about how the hippopotamus god was talking through uh, <laughs> this dead body that also every time that Amit says scales later on in the episode, I kept thinking of like alligator scales and crocodile scales, and it was confusing me. I was like, the scales, like scales on a crocodile? Oh, yeah, scales because that's this whole. Well, I do think there may be like one or two times where it was intended to be like a, a double meaning thing. But a double entendre? Yes, yes. I could have used the scale pun then. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> um, so Tawawet, Tawawet, the uh, hippopotamus god previously seen on episode five and four of Moon Knight, stopped Layla. Uh, as she prepares to attack Harrow, uh, sending her a message from Mark Spector beyond the grave saying that they need Conchu's help in order to stop Harrow, right? Layla's yes. being weird. She's like, I don't care if zombies are talking to me right now. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I'm gonna doesn't even look that interested in the fact that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do it myself. Um, so they get into the minivans instead of their Humvees and they drive over to the Great Pyramids of Giza, uh, making their way into the Chamber of the Gods. Um, there's some kind of wonky CGI as they're climbing up the Great Pyramids of Giza uh, when they open it up with the staff and it just kind of like moves 
open. Um, also, mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> I have a friend who recently went to Egypt, um, I think in like 2019. And like, there's a lot of security at the Great Pyramids of Giza, dude. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I would, I would expect you yeah, cannot yeah. climb on these things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Without yeah. like all the military, like, shooting at you um but regardless for story purposes i understand so uh and his followers make their way into the great temple uh great pyramid of giza and into the chamber of the gods where the Inead council stands in their way uh despite their resistance though harrow kills them so quickly with his uh purple magic staff and ends yeah. up breaking the Ushapti and releasing Amit from her imprisonment. And we get a lot of purple smoke floating around. Um, part of me, I, I know. Okay. So previously on the MCU Beyond Infinity podcast, Travis and I uh, had said, what do you think the odds of getting a giant um, crocodile god person on the show was going to be? And we both said mm-hmm. slim to none, right? We didn't think this was going to happen. Well, a crocodile maybe, but like all the features of that particular god, there's like other animals mixed in there too. And like, I didn't expect them to do that amount of work. It's like monster mashing. It's rogue taxidermy and CGI mm-hmm. form. Yeah. Do you actually, um, the, the uh, people of, um, you know, the Eastern world, I'll say, when European settlers and conquerors i'll call them <laughs> when white conquerors decided to expand their empires and they went over to countries like you know that are now china new zealand australia mm-hmm. um a lot of the the people native to these eastern countries over in asia and and australia they would like take the bones of animals and like put them together <laughs> and bury them where they knew these people were staying so they would like dig them up and they would find these like monstrous things you know what i mean mm-hmm. um you know that's where like i think like jackalopes came from also i think the native americans <laughs> did that i swear to god um and eventually when somebody went to new zealand and they found a duckbill platypus and they tried to bring it back and it had like died and by the time they got there it was like just a skeleton um they're like, no way is this thing real. We've seen these people try and trick us before. Yeah, yeah, you're clearly fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. No way is there a thing with a duck bill, like duck feet, built like a beaver mm-hmm. uh, with hair that lays eggs. Like, no way does that exist. And sure enough, it yeah, exists. Yeah. Duck bill platypuses also only have one hole that they pee, poop, lay eggs, and have sex out of, which is crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And they're mammals. Aren't they like their claws poisonous too? Or their claws are poisonous too. It's a fucking weird yeah. animal. You know how big those things are? They're like only the size of like a small house cat too. They're like tiny. They're like oh, yeah. tiny little things. Um, I want one terribly. Uh, I think they'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but sure enough, uh, this purple cloud does end up amassing into... A 15 foot tall, tall uh, crocodile lady with dreadlocks, dude. And um, yeah, it was CGI and I could have used with a 15 foot tall uh, practical rubber suit crocodile lady with dreadlocks. <laughs> you know, you like stuff a couple little people into it to operate all of it. I think that would have been a lot of fun. Uh, but it was nice to see like a monster, you know, on this sh- on this show. Of course. Or a god and a yeah, monster. Yeah. And uh, I do think <laughs> it looks almost as good as the hippo. 
Sure. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The hippo just has the, the little accents that put it a little bit more of the top, the ear wiggles and stuff like that. The hippopotamuses uh, are mammals, right? I hate to sound fucking. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. I, I yeah, believe the so. duckbill platypus talk got me thinking because duckbill platypuses, they're <laughs> mammals, but they lay eggs. Like they have nipples and they milk and they have hair, but they also lay eggs. So they're like really confusing. And part of me was like, hippos don't lay eggs, right? They're like. <laughs> They're like water rhinoceroses. <laughs> I know it sounds so stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, uh, they definitely don't like positive. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty confident. Have you one. ever seen one give birth? I'm not. Would I'm you like? Not, so maybe would I'm you like wrong. to pause the podcast yeah, yeah. and go to YouTube? <laughs> no, um, I I am. Fine with not doing that. Me too. Me too. Crocodiles do lay eggs. Um, I do know that. Uh, I think one of the reasons why the hippopotamus was so distinctly good, and we and we really praised the CGI on the hippopotamus woman, was because you know mammals have like hair follicles like everywhere. Uh, they're extremely yes. porous as opposed to like a slippery serpentine kind of uh, reptile. Like, yes, this thing did have dreadlocks, but the dreadlocks were tightly wound. We don't get like hair follicles just kind of like floating randomly the way we do on the hippo. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it did look good. And I like it's also like a twitchier animal. Like, yeah. Crocodiles are very static uh, waiting. Patient. Mm -hmm. I told you I saw a um, hippopotamus at like a backyard zoo one time right <laughs> i think so yeah it yeah. was crazy it was like the world's only trained hippopotamus please don't get too close it will kill you it's not that well no, trained no. yes yeah no but we're gonna make it jump through a ring of fire and it's just like a bunch of people like poking this hippo and getting it mad um I, I told you it was at the same place i saw a horse jump off a diving board when i was a child <laughs> You did. You did. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if that made it to air, but uh, <laughs> I saw my sister and I back in the early 90s um, saw went to this fucking weird zoo in like the middle of nowhere up. I think it was like Maine or New Hampshire or something along those lines. And there was a hippopotamus. Somewhere where they don't have their carnies under control. Apparently. And I think it was like far enough into the mountains and the woods where like they knew people wouldn't like tell basically mm -hmm. so they could like get away with like some crazy shit and they like put a horse in this elevator and put the elevator like this like makeshift freight elevator and it went up about you know like 30 40 feet and then this guy got up there with the horse and like poked it with a stick basically off a diving board and it fell into a pool and uh it was a sight to see i remember being a little kid and being like that's fucked up and then like Picking oh, up yeah. a cigarette yeah. butt and smoking. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, 90s are crazy. I'm just like a child smoking a cigarette. Yeah, I mean, it would probably be less traumatic if the horse had just fucking kicked the guy poking it in the head and he fell to his death. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ahmet has... Um, basically like bends over and takes it from this, uh, from this crocodile, um, not Ahmed Harrow rather basically like surrenders his will to this thing. And it's like, I'm here to serve you. I'm the one who brought you back. And then the crocodile monster Amit tells him, you know, you know, your scales aren't balanced, but if you're mm -hmm. down, I'm ready to change that destiny. You brought me back. I'm going to make you my new avatar instead of killing you. So now, 
Arthur Harrow has become the new avatar of Amit. Amit is free and a crocodile monster. Meanwhile, in the chamber, Layla has escaped to that little area where they have like the cubbies where they keep the uh, guns. Yeah, yeah. And uh, finds the one that looks like Khonshu and breaks it. And uh, and we get the return of Khonshu and F. Mary Abraham as Khonshu. And Layla's not taking any shit from him. And I, I liked having Khonshu back this episode. <laughs> yeah, I I was half expecting us to get more gods. Uh, like them breaking a bunch of them, especially with a plot point later on where more avatars are needed. But <sighs> That would have been so fun. I didn't even think about that, Travis. If like... Yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get to it, but yeah, it's there's a part a part where it would have made more sense, but it's whatever. They didn't have the budget for that many more crocodile, bird, whatever gods. Yeah, that would have been fun though. It's like, what do we do? And she just starts breaking all of them, and we just get all of these gods. But we don't know. Some of those gods mm-hmm. might be bad. Like the reason why they're in of stone. Course. You know what I mean? So maybe it's a good thing that they didn't break all of them. Um. So Kanchu finds out that Mark is dead. Layla refuses to be his new avatar. And Kanchu goes and confronts Amit. But before we see yes. Kanchu confront Amit, we get back to Mark Spector in the field of reeds, right? We do indeed. Where the hippo god Tawawet tells him that he's totally free he's finally at peace his mm-hmm. journey is complete and he can achieve that serenity that he never had uh mark specter has some good lines about like wow it's quiet you know this is the first time in a long time i've been at this kind of peace but mark specter being mark specter and having gone through this journey with uh stephen grant stephen? yep he mm-hmm. refuses to stay in paradise while stephen grant's trapped in sand of the duet and turns his back on the fields uh to find mm-hmm. stephen grant and he says uh tower uh hippo lady says that he cannot return to the field of reeds which is odd because they allude to him having been rejected by the fields of reeds once before earlier in the season they did so, and like do you just have to die to get a do-over or is it just you can't come back now i don't know and maybe maybe the journey he couldn't be in the field of reeds at that point because he had to come to accept steven which at that point he hadn't steven yeah. had to come you know i don't know a lot of this stuff worked for me the um <laughs> the speech where um Mark goes to the frozen statue of Stephen Grant and gives him that really corny, you're the only superpower I ever really need. I have, that is the only bit of that dialogue I have in my notes, which I, I have it in my notes because it's a, a blatant lie, because Moon Knight has powers that wax and wane with the faces of the moon. He's the protector yes. of the travelers of the night. Yeah. He yeah. literally fucking a, lies. You shouldn't lie to your loved ones. <laughs> Okay, so Travis, last week, uh, or two weeks ago, rather, I mentioned um, who was doing the body double work for these scenes where it's Oscar Isaac and Oscar Isaac, and let you know that it's actually Oscar Isaac's brother, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know what Oscar Isaac's brother gets down with on the internet? I do not. You don't? Uh, uh. You will be happy to hear that Oscar Isaac's brother, who is the body double on the show Moon Knight, has a YouTube channel where he reviews 
action figures such as marvel legends <laughs> and diamond selects and oh, yeah. hot toys and he's one That's of us cool. he's yeah. so cool <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome he's i bet this is like a dream come true for them for him to fucking get to work on superhero bullshit and he's way into superhero bullshit and he loves it and, and i'm happy that you know he's involved mm -hmm. in it and it must be nice to have oscar isaac as your brother um <laughs> <laughs> so like i don't know i think um the the love was magic or something and like steven turns they were completely at one with another and yeah they don't know about jake so he doesn't he doesn't factor into this equation and their heart brightens up and returns gold mm -hmm. and mark specter's heart grew three sizes that day and it saves yeah Steven. and then osiris's gate opens up so they can go through it but not before this giant wave of sand tries to take him and uh, and we do get the return of the hippo on the boat here where this probably reminded me of like a fast and the furious movie for some reason oh, like, uh... yes oh yes <laughs> Uh, if like <laughs> if one of them gets knocked away and the hippo pulled up and like saved them with her boat by yes, catching them yeah, on the exactly, hook. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. A hundred percent. I liked this part, I was about to say. And the hippo has got like a dumb line where she's like, Oh Cyrus, you old softy. Um mm -hmm. I liked all of this quite a bit. Um so they go through the gates of Osiris um, and they're back into the land of the living. Uh, meanwhile, Khonshu and Amit start kind of duking it out um, as like Mark and Steven escape the, the afterlife. Um, I like all of the stuff in the chamber of the gods or whatever that area is called, where yeah. it's like, I'm not going to say like regular sized Conchu and regular sized uh, Amets because they're like 10 or 12 feet tall, but like before <laughs> they become giant fucking Kaiju monsters towards yeah. the end of this episode, uh, I like all this fighting and, and I like their dialogue where Amets like, Oh, Conchu, the years have not been good to you. He's like, Nope, Nope, they have not. I'm a giant <laughs> skeleton. I'm a skeleton now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's like he was ever a uh, just a proper bird man. <laughs> he might have been attorney at law. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, just a, <laughs> Conchu Birdman, attorney at law. Conchu Skellington Birdman, um, the Esquire, obviously. Yeah, obviously, mm -hmm. obviously. But then, um, I guess Conchu like smells Mark Specter, and it's just like, oh, Mark's back, and like. <laughs> <laughs> like does his little like his wishy portal thing and like pops oh, yeah. out and and Mark is back and Conchu's out and I got hyped here rewatching it today, Travis. I, I more hyped than I did watching it the first time where Conchu does the whole like, do you swear to protect the travelers of the night? Then you mm -hmm. will rise, my moon knight. And I was like, -na 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 -na. like, like all right, <laughs> like I I loved all yeah. that, and, and we get a proper suit up. And not only do we get a proper suit up here, Travis, we get um, an actual human being, whether or not it's Oscar yeah, yeah. Isaac or There's, not. It's been a real suit in a few uh, of the other episodes briefly at times. It's just very inconsistent when they use it. I feel like they could use the real deal more often than they do in the show. Yeah. And it would, it would benefit it. Oh, 100% it would have benefited. Like, uh, absolutely. Um, so 
now we get that cool shot again, like having, I don't know if it's Oscar Isaac, but a physical person inside an actual <laughs> suit walking in a physical environment, like looks really mm-hmm. cool. And we get Moon Knight, like walking during the day out of this temple. You know what I mean? Looking really cool. Conchu just waiting it out far away would have been more convenient he he had to make mark walk to him you know what i mean <laughs> with dramatic effect yes yes yeah it's very funny i uh, you know that that's kind of fitting Kanchu has a, a a mind for theater i believe uh, this completely fits for him he has a tendency to be a drama mama as i like to mm. say it um he loves the theatrics and and he loves to make a show of of everything even though he swears he's not doing it he totally <laughs> yeah 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 it's yeah uh, um yeah so specter and grant now they can like freely alternate and like flip flop between one another because they're at peace. And, and we know mm-hmm. this because Steven looks like Mr. Knight and Mark looks like Moon Knight. Uh, they're both like negotiating with Conchu and they're like, listen, we'll help you. But once Amit's no longer a threat, we're free to go. And like originally Conchu was like completely appalled that they would even negotiate now that he's like brought them back from the dead and all done all <laughs> of these things, except he has no other choice, but to accept their, terms right and they're like but how are we gonna get all the way to giza we're stuck here and he's like well i have to reiterate i hated steve's dialogue in this portion the negotiating the silly old bird all that i I get that it makes plot sense so i can't complain too much but fucking hell i don't like steven i don't like steven either and i really didn't like him um in the beginning of the series but I kind Mm -hmm. of, I don't want to say like I tolerated him because I actually kind of enjoyed like, I got some growth and and it sucks that we had to like weaponize trauma to a viewer (laughs) to like actually experience some sort of depth. Like having a traumatic Mm -hmm. backstory shouldn't just like make a character interesting. It's like what happens that should make a character interesting. But like Mm -hmm. knowing what Steven is and his purpose and why he's created and him being like this the yin and yang of, of Mark and Steven. Like, I like that take. I like this take. Like, you know, I like the idea that like Steven was so miserable. He created this way to get out of his own misery, um, Mm -hmm. which, which was his first dissociation from this mental illness that he suffers. So Steven growing a pair. um, I thought it felt kind of natural, even though I could see how it, it's off-putting and he's annoying but like him sitting cross-legged like <laughs> no 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 you silly old bird like you know <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's a bit much it's very over the top like i said though and i can point it out it makes sense for what they're doing with this character doesn't make it any easier for me to listen to but <laughs> <laughs> especially specifically for the context of this series this moon night mm-hmm. i, I and also it's like yeah uh, Granted, both the Moon Knight costumes are cool, but Mr. Knight is particularly modernized and fucking, yeah. Sleek, action-oriented, like... I I really thought that was probably going to be the only suit we got, because the regular Moon Knight costume is so fucking ridiculous. Well, Travis, it gets a little bit more ridiculous, because they ask, how can we get to Harrow so quickly, (laughs) and, and... 
Conchu has this dramatic, I'm still the protector of the nights and or mm. travelers of the night. And he turns it from day to night, which would freak out the entire planet uh, and probably <laughs> throw it off of his access. But we are dealing with capes and tights and wizards and yeah, all yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so he does. Yeah, it's fine totally fine um <laughs> but then moon knight like takes off with a crescent moon suit and flies yeah yeah and there's no moon copter with this version of moon knight i uh i don't have an issue with this particular because they're clearly going to be staying supernatural with the character uh so that they don't have to have blood or people dying in agony yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, i get it uh do you think he can do this at any point, or is this a feat, as the the comic nerds say? Maybe, <laughs> I maybe this feat is achieved by something that Kanchu just did because it was a full moon, mm. right? So maybe he was yes, able to. The, his powers were at their maximum because of the the phase of the moon. The waxing right. and the waning. So by yes, yes. You know, even though doing that would probably cause a tidal wave that would destroy the world. But... <laughs> So would having a giant um, monster alien baby egg turning into marble in the Atlantic mm -hmm. Ocean. But we're sure not going to talk about Eternals. Yeah. What we talk about when we don't talk about Eternals, that's what this podcast should be called. I mean, it's worth mentioning Eternals, if only because they were planned to be in the show at one point, apparently. But <sighs> thankfully, they were cut. Yeah. Uh, and not just because we didn't like Eternals, but because... This show works fine enough without them. What would they really added? Well, I, I'm I'm going to talk a little bit more about this when we do our, like our final thoughts and our reviews. But one of the things mm -hmm. that I do kind of appreciate about this show, it and I find extremely admirable about this show, is it delving into mythology, its context on the modern world, and and, and you know myths just being these stories and comic books being these stories and superheroes mm -hmm. being these stories. It would make sense for superheroes to correlate to, you know, ancient mythology, right? Makes total yeah. sense. I really like it. The Thor movies um, could have done that. They chose not to. They did something very different with um, turning Asgard yeah. into aliens, being the basis for things rather than being the actual things like actual gods <laughs> like when yeah. when a person from scandinavia dies he does not go to valhall the way when mark specter dies he goes to they're the not on a, a uh, cycle of uh, death and reincarnation these gods a hundred percent um the only other real franchise forgive me if i'm wrong who's dealt with mythology in such a way has been the eternals so you get your big swings and then you get your Icarus flying into the sun. Um, mm -hmm. While that is the least subtle uh, thing uh, imaginable, <laughs> uh, some would even say in poor taste and, and lazy. Um, mm -hmm. I don't feel that the majority of this was lazy in any sense of the word. You know what I mean? Oh uh, yeah. 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 I, I kind of agree with you there. Like they, uh, the limitations here, like the, the show's issues, I think, are largely budget related. They're not necessarily creativity related. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a Stargate budget to go all out, or a... <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, Was that Exodus movie directed by uh, Ridley Scott called Exodus Gods and Monsters? Gods and Kings. Gods and Kings. God, are we ever yeah. going to cover that for the podcast? <laughs> 
<laughs> I we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Uh, Ridley Scott would be tough. He's got so many fucking movies. It would like take years to go through all of them. Although mm-hmm. I'm not going to throw Master and Commander off the table. I I do like that movie. That's kind of like one where I'd be like, we're not talking about Marvel. Like maybe next week we'll talk about Miami Vice. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I. I actually deleted all of my notes for it. So oh. playing it by ear. <laughs> <laughs> we can wing it. I'm a yeah. fan for Mijitos. Um So, yeah, he... he. Oh, before we get to this, uh, you mentioned the Mooncopter briefly. Um, did you think the Mooncopter <laughs> was going to make an appearance? And how do you like this pitch where Moon Knight says, or Khonshu says, like, you forget, I'm the god of the moon. And then, like, his bones, like, float up and they, like, turn into a <laughs> helicopter. Like a bone copter? Like a bone copter. What do you think of bones and what do you think of helicopters and how do you feel about bone copters? <laughs> I, I think you would need hollow bird bones to, <laughs> to be able to fly as a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this checks out. It all checks uh, out. It's got wings. Yeah, yeah. Birds fly. Maybe do a multiverse movie where Thanos is in a Thanos copter and you have like a dog fight between them. That would be great. I would. Here's my money. I'm just throwing it at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so meanwhile, Layla uh, is still in the temple of the gods. Um, the guy who we thought was going to end up being a malicious villain, who was the avatar. It's just an, your garden variety incompetent. Yeah. 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 Just <laughs> bad middle management all around, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that the only way to stop Amit is to imprison her inside of a vulnerable human body. Uh, instead of an Ushapti. Um, so without any other options here, Layla speaks to Tawit, the hippo god, and accepts her offer to become a temporary avatar um, in a sequence that I really love, um, where <laughs> Tawit, like goes into her body and is like, oh, this is going to be great. You're going to love this. And yeah. uh, the girl... Dude, the girl playing Layla is fucking solid here this scene could have gone very yeah. well. it could have been Stephen yeah. grant yes yeah 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 spot on it could have very well been that over the top and annoying it does not do that it this is a very fun portrayal and we've already seen the hippo be silly so it's not a big deal and uh and also i'm very happy to get this real powers yeah um tower grants layla with some ceremonial armor uh, we spoke briefly about this before, how it was reminiscent of the uh, Wonder Woman 84 Golden Eagle armor, mm-hmm. only kind of cooler. There's no headpiece. Her hair gets uh, real nappy and, and looks amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Her wings expand out into swords where she's got like two swords as hands, basically. Uh, and See, I thought, they were, she, I thought she was just holding swords. Oh, that's even cooler, dude. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. a sword guy and a wing guy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of accessories for this one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned before how you kind of like how the the Marvel Cinematic Universe sometimes sets up these really cool kind of new characters based off of old character ideas um mm-hmm. and and how this is a great one and it, you know it's a short time before Layla Alfuli shows up in you know I don't know like something else something else yeah there's this like new- if they said that they were doing a Scarlet Serum TV show I would actually probably be on board for that uh, as much as I am for the Echo one honestly just because it's there's nothing to pull from, but 
Yeah, do something Indiana Jones. Actually, Indiana Jones is fine. Indiana Jones yeah. meets Wonder Woman sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, like I said, there's nothing really to pull from for this character other than like taking some other characters, villains or whatever, but yeah. And I mean, to kind of go on the topic of how the MCU has done this in the past, um, a character kind of near and dear to me personally, I think I've told you before, mm-hmm. I really like Janet Pym a lot. Um, I love the wasp, one of the original Avengers. Uh, I love that. She's kind of like a fashionista. I like that. She's very flirtatious. <laughs> I like that. She's very mm-hmm. smart and very competent. Um, I always kind of imagined an actress like uh, Rashida Jones playing her, especially when I saw Paul Rudd being cast for Ant-Man uh, before yeah. they said he was playing Scott and all that. And then when they cast Ava Angelilli, I'm like, you know what? I can see that. I was a big Lost fan, even though I wasn't a big mm-hmm. Kate fan on Lost. Um, I was more of a Juliet guy, but uh, I did like that. And then I found out, oh, she's playing someone named Hope Van Dyne, who was in like one issue of The Ultimates, who had like, you know, nothing really to do. Oh, see, with- I thought that was like a completely original she kind of is like the name came from i think it's earth three it's like where mayday parker's from do you know about that universe oh yeah yeah a little bit a little bit like yeah i mentioned the podcast where i don't really read alternate universe stuff too much just this is yeah it's confusing enough the uh yeah yeah the um the the mayday parker stuff isn't even ultimate universe like a totally that's peter parker and mary jane's kid do you know that Mm -hmm. marvel just broke peter and mj up again by the way (laughs) no i'm way behind on spider-man i I just read the occasional spider-man thing i I didn't realize they were even back together yeah they were that was the first thing they did um when nick spencer jumped on (laughs) it was like the first first thing he did he's like back to normal see you later dan slot you know what i mean um (laughs) but um I really like Hope Van Dyne. I think Hope mm-hmm. Van Dyne has like showed up. I like the Ant-Man movies. Like they're in the upper tier of Marvel movies, believe it or not for me, in terms of like the ones I rewatch all the time. I get you. Yeah, yeah. They're low stakes. They make me laugh. They they do the Marvel formula, but still do their own thing. Like they're connected mm-hmm. enough. Um, and it, it doesn't hurt that you have like, probably the most charming cast out of any you know what i mean like you have paul rudd evangelili michael douglas fucking michelle mm-hmm. pfeiffer's floating around in bone armor in the second one it, <laughs> it's pretty cool um and originally i was kind of upset that uh they were kind of like okay. sidelining janet mm-hmm. but again well, they, she stepped do in you up. think they did that because they didn't want to deal with hank 100 they did that because they didn't want to deal with hank a hundred percent. Hank Pym is a vicious character with a very complicated fucking comic book history. So a hundred percent. I think that's why they did with it. Even though I think Michael Douglas is kind of like the perfect person to cast for something like that because he's <laughs> such a nasty son of a bitch in so many movies. Like mm-hmm. uh, Greco from Wall Street, like nasty son of a yeah, bitch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was basically a genre of film devoted to movies he was in, like erotic thrillers starring Michael Douglas. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, based off like airport novels. That was like a genre of movies. <laughs> uh, Paul Verhoeven made one uh, with him and Sharon Stone. That totally rips. Um, 
yeah, regardless. So Harrow unleashes his newly granted forces upon Cairo while his followers start judging people, um, sending their souls to the unworthy uh, to be devoured by Amit. Um, this sequence was very Ghostbusters-y to me. I was kind of waiting for the moment where it turned into Spook Central, like at the end of uh at the end of the first Ghostbusters where you have like bad guy on some giant temple thing with a purple mm-hmm. cloud where he's muttering like Kali Ma la 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 like and just like purple yeah. swirls going around him and we got that here it's like Ethan Hawke is on the top of a fucking giant pyramid with a staff and like a purple light in the sky while these purple like ghost souls start getting devoured by a crocodile god and it makes her grow she gets like big right because of it yeah 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 it's it's better than like i guess reader repulsa throwing his staff down and saying make my monsters grow or whatever the line was but where was goldar here that's my (laughs) that's my real question (laughs) oh my god um yeah, everyone in Cairo starts to get judged. It makes a crocodile lady really big. And then Moon Knight swoops in. And I thought this shot was actually really cool. The camera, it was very CGI looking, but like the camera spirals in from the side of the pyramid while Moon Knight's running up from the bottom and Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke's running down from the top. And then it spirals to have them at their side. And it's like them silhouetted as they clash against the backdrop of the full moon. Mm-hmm. And I really liked all of that. And I <clears throat> I really liked how Khonshu grew into a giant bird monster and fought <laughs> the giant crocodile lady in front of a pyramid. Call me a simpleton, Travis, but I think <laughs> giant god fights are pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I've never seen one in Egypt. I, uh, mm-hmm. That is a first for me, at least. I mean, there was probably, you were talking about Power Rangers, there was probably... <laughs> like an episode where they were like fighting over like uh you know a bunch there's of there's been like 40 seasons of super sentai slash power rangers so it's i'm sure that they've done some egypt monsters at some point yeah mm-hmm. now that you mention it mm-hmm. um as conchu and the giant crocodile are fighting the giant crocodile is basically giving this like you know you could be by my side through this whole thing, blah, blah, blah. Why fight when you know you'll fail? And then Kanchu literally does what Keanu does in the Matrix and says, like, because I choose to. You know, like, choice and free will is uh, a theme, I guess. We haven't really talked about themes and, like, on this show. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, like, Amit lets Harold be... Uh, her servant, even though his scales aren't balanced because of the things he will do later in life that he winds up not doing later in life because of how this episode ends. <laughs> uh, multiverse, multiverse. Uh, he also like destroys Cairo, so I'm thinking that's a bad. Oh, okay. Know. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, like the choice of free will, like why doesn't Mark just, you know, let specter why doesn't mark just let accept um steven why doesn't steven just accept grant like they have to choose mm-hmm. to work together um you know the the whole choice of um you can choose to do something bad you shouldn't have that premeditated like pre-crime minority report style be judged yeah, before you yeah. do something like that choice should be made you know judgment mm-hmm. like these are themes here and we hear it 
multiple times throughout this episode characters say because I choose to. Um, so Moon Knight swoops in and like carries Harrow to the streets of Cairo uh, where he's joined by Layla in her cool costume and they continue to fight Harrow and his disciples um, in possibly the best action scene of the series as it intersects between that and the giant kaiju god fights. Yeah, yeah. The hand-to-hand action with Mr. Knight hitting the, uh, the random henchman or maybe it was Harrow with the batons and like a running knee. That was the best like hand-to-hand action uh I do wish they had depicted uh, Mark Spector as a more skilled fighter. Uh, I guess since he's a mercenary, Mr. Knight was as capable. Uh, I guess since they're sharing completely in union with one another, maybe it all goes across now. But also, uh, not to complain about this new character that I like uh, later, but (laughs) she's a better fighter than Moon Knight. She just is. Yeah. A little bit. Well, I mean, she has wings. Yeah, yeah, She's just, a fly guy. <laughs> Moon Knight is a flying guy, too. That's true. He does fly. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. and without a helicopter not, sometimes. Not while he's doing the street fighting stuff, I guess. But yeah. uh, um, I mean, I would, I kind of agree with you there. There was like this. Also, Hero is a better fighter than either of them combined. A little bit. So. Right, he was a Moon Knight before. So. He was a Moon Knight once upon a time. Years of experience. That makes sense. Yes. He knows all the Moon Knight moves. You dirty old bird. Um, yes, yes. The side scroller style action of this is very mm-hmm. cool. I think it goes left to right rather than right to left, but it is essentially Layla and, you know, Mr. Knight and Moon Knight alternating between mm-hmm. one another as they, you know, Tony jaw their way through the fucking street, like knocking people out. Um, you mentioned how Mr. Knight is a little bit more capable than Moon Knight. The big standouts in this fight sequence for me were Mr. Knight using his batons and having one thrown at Harrow while it gets reflected back and Moon Knight Mm -hmm. catching it and then continuing to fight. Number one coolest part. The second coolest part is they're like fighting in a laundromat and they like got him against the ropes kind of. And then Harrow like pushes him back with a purple force and like from the rubble, Moon Knight shoots a Gatling gun right above Harrow and like swings in like very Batman-y. Yes, yes, it's very uh, Batman there. I liked that quite a bit. Um, I liked this fight sequence. During, Wish there was a little bit yeah, of blood. Yeah. Wish there was a little bit of blood. Of course, of course. I One of the small bits that I liked that... Uh, we, I don't know if we've actually talked about uh, in this series at all. I don't know if there's actually been any, but uh, rescuing a civilian. There's a, a bit where Layla saves a, an Egyptian girl, and it reminds me a ton of uh, Carol Danvers saving a random uh, girl that winds up becoming Kamala Khan after de-aging a bit, because when they first drew her, she looked like an adult woman. And <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a, like an inspirational moment for, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen a lot of that in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Um, Age of Ultron leaned like really heavily on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of civilian saving in that movie. Yeah. It's one of the things I liked about that movie. So much. And I felt like it was in direct response from Man of Steel that year too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
Zack Schneider superhero movies kind of infamously don't care about human lives and casualties. They kind of just like <laughs> let 9-11 happen over and over and over and over and over again. It is miraculous with the title of this episode that that's the first big we've gotten in. <laughs> it is. I'm going to use our cold open. It's going to be us complaining about Zack Schneider. <laughs> So we'll get it out of the way. We'll try not to come back to it. But yeah, um, there's this part where, you know, Layla and and Moon Knight have Harrow up against the ropes. And he's like, how can I get these guys away from me? So he shoots his purple magic at a bus loaded with civilians that he saw hiding. Uh, and Layla swoops away, saves the bus and pulls a little girl away from it, falling on top of her. And um, it, they're speaking in Egyptian to one another. And the subtitles, the little girl says, uh, are you an Egyptian superhero? And Layla basically just nods and is like, yeah, fuck yeah, I am. You know what I mean? So <laughs> much like you said with, um, you know, Carol rescuing uh, the, you know, what, oh. Kamala, what ends up being Kamala Khan and that influencing her to grow up and become this superhero of her own big thing mm -hmm. as a woman, obviously, you know, um, whether you like to hear it or not america um the majority of the superheroes are white straight men from yeah. america yeah. um i know you think that everything that marvel and disney and dc are doing <laughs> is to like jeopardize the precious white male christian <laughs> uh straight cis superhero but i promise you it's not it's still mostly just white dudes swinging around in case it really time. is mm -hmm. i mean they're elevating a lesser character to give some representation uh, where it's needed, kind of. Yeah, and for a strong, competent, smart, cool, pretty woman from a country that's had little to no representation, especially within the superhero world. Positive representation. Positive representation, yeah. yeah. Um, to have that occur and then to have a young Egyptian woman, same country of origin, same um you know sex or gender rather um is a big thing and it's a nice little moment and i think that's what muhammad diab has been saying in the majority of his mm -hmm. press tours uh that we were kind of giving a flack about in like episode yeah, yeah. three he was he was talking shit about stargate that's the only reason i was <laughs> <laughs> He was talking shit about Brendan Fraser, and I was ready to kill him. Yeah, yeah. Has he not even seen Doom Patrol at this point? No. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Doom it's... Patrol, is, how, have you made it any further in Doom Patrol, by the way? I am near the end of season one again. Like, I've seen the first season before. I I just need to rewatch it as a refresher before I go on to the later seasons. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. And um, mm -hmm. we spoke about him last week, um, uh, George Perez, but uh, him and Marv Wolfman helped create uh they created cyborg you know who's a character on mm -hmm. that show and for some reason jeff johns and jim lee made him a member of the justice league when they rebooted the new 52 and like dc has been like pumping cyborg for some reason down people's throats and like mainline like they made it but that, i always thought of him as like a teen titans member but uh, yeah. I, I was talking to james um from the android uh uh Android's, Android's amazing, amazing podcast. Android's amazing podcast. I was on the show last uh, Monday, which came out on Tuesday, talking about Moon Knight, and uh, we were talking about the George Perez news. And he said something really interesting that I didn't even think about. He's like, essentially, Cyborg was one of the first black characters who wasn't going around like, "Listen here, honky," you know, like just being like, <laughs> <laughs> like just. He also wasn't called Black Cyborg for just yeah yeah yeah. He, you know, like even Falcon, like Sam Wilson, who like mm -hmm. came to be this like awesome 
hero eventually uh, started off as like a pimp. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke Cage, like I love Luke Cage. I think he's a lot of fun, but he was kind of capitalizing off black exploitation and being written mm-hmm. by like you know a bunch of white guys in a room. Um, you know, and George Perez and and Marv Wolfman created Cyborg, who's this great, great black person of color character um, that I love, and you know representation matters basically at the end of the day and yeah, i think, yeah. think the show did a pretty fucking good job at it um so let's talk about the part of the fight sequence that i didn't like too much um harrow has mark pinned down with his alligator <laughs> staff <laughs> you're laughing already well, he's got does it mark- count as an action scene if they don't if it's not if there's no action it's i mean that that's the thing so harrow's got him pinned down he's swallowing his soul or something with the purple staff <laughs> and then mark has one of his blackouts and we wake up and he's got like a knife to harrow's neck and everything around him is on fire and everyone is dead. And Layla looks mm-hmm. shook and is basically, what the fuck was that? And he, I don't know. I blacked out. I don't know what that was. Um, at this point in the show, they've used that. God, maybe like five, six times at this point, right? That exact yes. same yes. trick um, and technique. And- Between that and... Uh, Steven popping up anytime there's going to, uh, the chance of showing something too cool and one of the two things happens and them talking to each other and saying like that wasn't you was it Steven and Steven with the god no that wasn't me we've seen mm-hmm. that conversation happen twice already you know yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have liked also, to have seen it just in action at this point like knowing the, the climax of the season possibly the series and it's an anti-climax, kind of. Uh, I did. It could have been worse, I suppose, but yeah. Do you think that, you know, this episode obviously was like 35 minutes, 40 minutes or something like that. It's a series finale. I mentioned before how I think a lot of those sequences were possibly filled in the interviews with Kevin Feige prior to the show being released. We've heard Mm -hmm. there's moments where we were going to pull back and then we decided not to. And I said, are you going to pull back? And they're like, no, we can't pull back. It's moon night. Maybe all of this just ended up on the cutting room floor. uh, Really like last minute. And this like an te- artistic choice too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it was a mix of uh we probably aren't gonna get away with this. We just implemented this parental yes, advisory uh, thing. I, I defend the artistic merit of the MCU until they don't show me the action and then I, I decide that I don't need it to be that artistic. <laughs> I agree. This isn't high art. It's and it's not even that complicated to get our hero out of this fucking situation that they put him in. I would have appreciated Moon Knight Berserker for mm-hmm. two minutes, just tearing stuff apart. Don't even say the name Jake Lockley. Save that for the post credits. That would have been fine. Yes. Just be like, whoa, what is this have guy? Him acting differently. And yeah, yeah. Have him turn into Stellan Starsguard. <laughs> <laughs> Drink a bunch of bear blood mixed with magic mushrooms and then invade a Roos village um, and eat a guy's throw it out you know i've seen yeah. it recently i'd like to see it again but with my superheroes so did you see that post they put up today on the podcast where it was like how to save cinema it's like put, yeah. put the word marvel. Marvel logo before you yeah. mm-hmm. it's 
have a post credit scene where somebody pops up at the end. Everything's a Marvel movie. Cinema saved. <laughs> were the two examples. It was like Marvel's The Northman and Marvel's yeah, uh, Last yeah. Night in Soho or something like that. Something yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah, that would have yeah. been funny. Um, yeah, so this this action sequence, which, you know, got my attention. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the uh, Layla representation scene with the Egyptian superhero a lot. I like seeing Layla in action. I like seeing Mr. Knight do something cool, but again, ended rather anticlimactically for our hero and Mr. Ethan Hawke, who is then dragged back to the chamber of the gods by Mark Spector. And um, Layla, I guess while Khonshu was still fighting <laughs> the alligator monster <laughs> outside, they snuck past, snuck past them. I'll be completely honest. I don't recall. Oh, yes, this is how that ends. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they throw him on an altar, and Layla says, We have to hold hands and recant a magic spell uh, that she knows. Dude, this spell made me laugh so hard, where they're like, Glotto, oh, Shopee, oh, Victor. Yeah. I, uh, I, just noted that they were also, I guess, technically holding hands with these other god statues. Oh, I didn't I mean, even pick up on that. going through an entire circle of statues, and then these two people. Uh, it's another thing it points to. There was originally supposed to be more gods in the script, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. They were like, okay, uh, imagine there's like a bunch of guys in those green men costumes around them holding hands, <laughs> and they're like, we're going to CGI these guys in there later. <laughs> <laughs> I, that may have happened, really. Uh, Possibly. I mean, uh, it turns out you have all their guys in their Unimind either, so it's fine. Yeah, that movie didn't make any sense and suck, though. So, um, <laughs> shit happens. Uh, Angelina Jolie was great in there, and her getting tied up by the goo man was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Good face acting from Ethan Hawke as uh, the soul was getting sucked into his body. Some really funny faces. Uh being made, um, Khonshu pops up and orders Mark Spector to kill Harrow, so both of them would no longer be a threat. But Spector refuses, saying that Khonshu's barely any different than Amit anymore. You know, Khonshu's saying, like, you don't know he's going to do something in the future. And Mark Spector's like, isn't that what you're telling us, you know, we're not supposed to be doing at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, that's kind of bullshit. This guy has killed a lot of people already. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, vengeance yeah. at this point. Um, and upholding his part of the deal, Khonshu releases Spectre and Grant, and they wake up and find themselves uh, back at the Putnam Psychiatric Hospital. With uh, a scene that I did not need at all, because it just felt like the second ending. That we were done with the asylum stuff; they didn't have to revisit this. Okay, before we get to that, also when um, Spectre tells Khonshu why. He says, because I choose to. I just want to throw it out there. It gave me big matrix energy. Um, yeah, but back to the <laughs> <laughs> back to the uh, the Putnam hospital thing. You mentioning how, you know, this was kind of unnecessary. I have to agree uh, kind of begrudgingly because I do kind of like this scene as unnecessary as I felt it was uh, yeah. for, for the sole purpose of Oscar Isaac playing both characters at the same time in the same shot and how funny it would probably be 
for Oscar Isaac, all the people around him filming that for him to be doing the two voices at the same time and talking to himself, you know, uh, he's putting on the Steven and the Mark voice and the Mark voice being hilariously, um, Chicagoian? What do you call people from <laughs> Chicago? You know, he keeps he's like, listen. No, I can't. I can't. Shiraki, I think, is the term. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but he's like, you know what, Doc? You know, like literally, like Bugs Bunny style stuff. <laughs> um, and then Harrow refuses to admit um anything that he said, you know, was false, and they start to notice like the blood in Harrow's footprints. Blah 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 blah. Stephen Grant and Mark Spector dismiss Harrow's diagnosis and choose that they would rather be off saving the world. And then they fall backwards and wake up in Stephen Grant's apartment. And uh, Travis, we now have two goldfish in here. Oh, oh, I completely missed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We got a glimpse of the, of the goldfish. Um, just throwing it out there. Maybe the goldfish is Kang. Maybe he's going to be a member of the Pet Avengers. <laughs> Listen to our uh, episode five um, episode of Moon Knight uh, to hear our theories on that. Uh, so, yeah, they wake up free. The music from the first episode, That Lonely is a Man Without Love by um, Engelbert Humperdinck, <laughs> one of the greatest names of all time, is playing. Um, I don't know if Layla's there. I think it would be weird if she was, like, especially if they're sleeping with her. Like, do they take turns? <laughs> Um, are they both there? How does that work? I, I don't really know. Um, fucking Mark's berating Steven for being such a mess. And then when they go to get out of bed, they realize they're still chained up like a wolf man. They fall. <laughs> the audience laughs and it cuts to credits with the Engelbert Humperdinck playing. And then we get a mid credit scene here 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 this was the uh kind of the scene that we've all been waiting for the mm -hmm. premiere of uh mr jake lockley uh which is teased out to the very very end as well as a great look for conchu that i'll get to when we get to it yeah yeah i yeah. was going to mention that as well let's huh? yeah 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 uh hero scene uh he's been administrated to a psychiatric hospital as well he's obviously under heavy medication and he's being taken out by a Spanish-speaking gentleman with a little cabbie hat. We don't see his um, <laughs> we don't see his uh, face yet. Uh, we do notice a lot of dead hospital employees on their way out, and then uh, Harrow is brought into a limousine and thrown into the back seat where he meets Conchu, um, who has his legs crossed and is wearing a suit at this point. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Another one of his looks from the comics, and like, it didn't even dawn on me that we hadn't seen it uh, in live action yet. And very good look for him. Is this from the uh, Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood run with Conchu in the suit, or was that previously done before that in the uh, Warren Ellis, Jordy Belair? Ah, uh, uh, that one I'm not sure on. Uh, I love that look, though. It's very cool, and like seeing mm -hmm. this monster basically in a suit and tie in the backseat of a car is fucking slick um <laughs> i like how jake before he gets into the driver's seat like basically folds up the wheelchair and just kicks it like he punts it 
Um, oh yeah, well no no, uh, yeah does he do that? Uh, I have yes, I'm loaded plenty of wheelchairs. You kind of have to lift it in the middle. Yeah, and, yeah, he just yeah, like flips it over. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. just flips it over. Um, yeah, Kanshu reminds Harrow um, that he can't hurt him or Amit or. Harrow reminds Conchu rather that he can't hurt him or Amit because he's just, you know, a god and that's not what gods can do. Where mm-hmm. Conchu tells him that he had no intentions of taking Layla as his next avatar, and Spectre doesn't even know exactly how broken he truly is. And then he presents Harrow with his friend, Mr. Jake Lockley, another author of Mark Spector, who shoots Arrow in the face uh, with a silenced pistol before driving away. And we see the license plates are like Spectre abbreviated to a vanity plate. Um, Mm -hmm. We've spoken a lot about Jake Lockley. We've been waiting for Jake Lockley. He's the other big author um, personality of Mark Spector in the comic books. He's, the street smart cab driver in Chicago who's got his finger on the pulse of the criminal underworld. Uh, mm-hmm. He's kind of a sleaze bag. I, I think I mentioned how uh, he had sex with Mark's wife in the comics and the baby was actually Jake's and not Mark's, which I always thought was really fucking weird. Um, a very silly comic book up there, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it is funny because, you know, Kanchu had promised uh, Jake and Mark... Um, Jesus, Kanshu had promised uh, Mark and Steven that, you know, they could be free of him, not knowing that this third avatar exists uh, still, mm-hmm. you know, this third personality exists still as the avatar, rather, of Kanshu. Um, now, we, I do have to talk, like, obviously, we think Jake is the third man from these blackouts and doing these vicious things. Yeah. They haven't shown us, right? Absolutely. Hopefully in another costume that they also haven't shown us. That would be neat too. Um, I do have to think because, you know, Mark created Stephen's dissociation in order to have these fond memories of his mother and for him to escape, uh, you know, basically the trauma of his childhood with his parents. But Stephen has all these great memories of his mother. He doesn't have any memories of himself being beaten with a belt by his mom or being abused uh, in this household. And Mark created Steven to avoid that. So I don't think Mark has any of those memories either. Do you think every time that his mom bent him over and beat the shit out of him or berated him or screamed at him that they automatically reverted to Jake Lockley and he was the guy taking the beatings the entire time? (laughs) That's quite possible. And if Rob Zombie was writing the show, it would absolutely be what made him a monster. (laughs) We would have spent the whole time. He would have been dressed as a clown. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there'd be a lot of foul language and the like. Yes, Probably would yes. have slept with a dead body, or at least implied that he did. Um, mm-hmm. We've gotten some quick close-ups of guys licking their lips and doing this horrible noise in the microphone <laughs> that I hate so much that Rob Zombie loves to do. Uh, but yeah, you have to assume that that's the case, right? Yeah, yeah, more or less, more or less. Uh, uh, with that in mind, do you think that we will be seeing Moon Knight later down the road, either in a second season or popping up in a potential Midnight Suns Disney Plus crossover with Blade or something along those lines? And if we do, do you think it's going to be them essentially discovering Jake? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's I don't know if. I, well, I guess Tanju could be a big enough villain for an entire team of supernatural heroes to face off against. 
Sure. Uh, well, I just don't know how you would. I guess you like the uh, Haunting of Hill House, where each episode is about a different character, where you wrap up all of their plot lines. And... <laughs> Do you think um, Mike Blanagan will direct? <laughs> I hope so. I hope he hides ghosts in every episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> they like Marvel hire Stephen King to write uh, Midnight Suns crossover just so mike flanagan could say he's adapting it from a stephen king story because that's like all that guy knows how to do yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um with that being said do you have anything additional that you want to talk about for moon Knight episode six the season possibly series finale gods and monsters before we talk about not only our overall thoughts and reviews on the episode at hand, but as well as the series as a whole. No, and I think that's pretty much it. All right, then let's get to the reviews. Tell us how you really feel. Let's rate this. Faithful Beyonders, Travis's, John's, Jake's, Mark's, Conchus, Layla's, and anyone else who found their way to the MCU Beyond Infinity podcast. We here at Beyond Infinity rate and review all of our episodes from one to six Infinity Stones, one being the worst, six being the best. We do accept half stones and we never remember what we reviewed <laughs> the previous episode. With that being said, Travis. For Moon Knight, Episode 6, Gods and Monsters, 1 out of 6 Infinity Stones, what say you, my friend? Okay, for this particular episode, I'm going to say 4.5 out of 6. Yeah, I... The anti-climax heard it. The second ending heard it. Uh... But I liked the action, and I loved that they gave us a new hero, uh, proper with a new costume, like, like still not it. I it doesn't really look too much like the uh, the comic book version, but it's obviously a, a gender swapped character, and uh, just just looks cooler than the comic book version, really. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's rare that I would say that, and it is comic booky, so that helps immensely it's not like they're ashamed that this is from a comic <laughs> this show in general is very comic booky mm-hmm. and i think like moon knight kind of ended on this like very fascinating and very worthwhile failure <laughs> um i will say um it's much it's, like most moon knight runs no. <laughs> much like most comic book anythings um mm-hmm. the ending is never the best part um however i do think it's this was a the continuation best. and you may not get the continuation anytime soon or on the same trajectory Absolutely. Or the same creative team behind it. You mentioned yeah. the word trajectory. It might have a, who knows what it's going to be when it does come back. Yeah, um, like this is Invaders run. I'm still trying to figure out how Namor got his powers back. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I'm still thinking about James Robinson's Namor run and that, from uh, Invaders run. And that was like 10 years ago. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> don't invest in invaders runs basically is what we're mm-hmm. saying or do because scarlet print more scarlet scarab was an invaders uh villain by the way i will throw that oh, out there. Okay. Well, that's, mm-hmm. nice. that's where she kind of originated or he kind of originated back in like timely atlas i think as far back as then um oh, well. because it was kind of competing with uh charlton uh who had yeah. 
Blue Beetle. So they were very similar. Kind uh, of, I get you. I get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all adding up. Um, but while I do think the show overall was kind of, um, I, I use the word failure dramatically. Uh, this was the rare Disney Plus series that I think could have benefited from a little bit more time, with the exception of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, yeah. Both of these shows, I think, could have done with about two more hours of material to kind of wrap all this together. Um, but I admire a lot of choices made. Even that mid-credit scene, I kind of admired because any other Marvel property would have had, a, and I was like, "God, please don't be fucking Dane Whitman." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> please don't be the voice of Blade or or. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have minded Jack Russell or Man Thing, but I was just like, "Don't be a setup for like another Marvel property." You know, this show had such little yeah. interest in expanding the, you know installments of the MCU mm-hmm. and really focus on telling a story about a guy and a problem that I give it a lot of credit for doing that because we haven't gotten that from a Marvel show, even the good ones in a really, really long time as self-contained as Hawkeye is it set up a bunch of sequels. It reintroduced yes. Wilson Fisk. It brought back a lot of stuff. I had to like explain to my friends like, Oh yeah, she was in age of Ultron. Remember when Thor stepped on the Legos like da ha ha, you know, um, <laughs> And, you know, the post credit scene, like it sets up like Echo, you know, this show mm-hmm. was very much a show about Moon Knight. And this episode, I uh, won't talk about the show overall just yet. This episode, I'm going to give five out of six Infinity Stones because I am a simpleton who likes cool mythology stuff. Got a lot of that here cool ritualistic chants got a lot of them here cool purple magic stuff got a lot of that here i got a kaiju fight with a giant bird skeleton versus a giant alligator lady with dreadlocks and even the action sequences while they were i don't want to call them a letdown but they were only a letdown in the context of like what we associate we as in the Travis's and the Johns of the world who read a lot of Moon Knight, like what we think of Moon Knight action to be. That's like where that character like really stands out outside of the really surreal and ethereal shit, you know, Mm -hmm. and the mind bendy stuff. But the action for the most part in this episode was really good. They wrapped up a ton of plot that I didn't have faith in them wrapping up. And I thought a lot (laughs) of it was going to be like, see you next time. And then we don't know if it's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it really did come full circle, and we know Moon Knight's still out there. And I think it's as much as we could ask for the finale of what we got from Moon Knight. So I'm going to give it a five out of six Infinity Stones um, mm-hmm. in regards to that. But like, let's talk about the show as a whole. And um, I mean, this is kind of a cheap thing that I'm about to do, Travis. I'm going to give it... Uh, two ratings and one of them is going to be like a rhetorical kind of hypothetical rating and that's mm-hmm. based on the people the hypothetical rhetorical one is going to be based on the people i know who knew nothing about moon knight but casually watch marvel stuff who are interested in superheroes who watch this show didn't know what was going on were mm-hmm. invested Every single thing that happened with like, oh, he's really Mark Spector. Oh, Mark Spector's really the guy. Like, 
if you were a novice to the character of Moon Knight, this show showed you what Moon Knight is kind of all about with the exception mm-hmm. of the violence. We yeah. and and they did it really well and they introduced the mystery boxes of it and the MacGuffins of it uh rather mm-hmm. eloquently without being disrespectful to mental illness or a lot of the Egyptian stuff that could have gone really disrespectful and gone <laughs> into the left field really, really quickly. Um, Moon Knight's a really complicated and convoluted character uh, who's really hard to just wrap your head around. And this show did a fucking fantastic job at doing that. And in that regard, if I was that person watching this show, if I was shout out to the Margot Sansones and the Mary Sansones of the world, my yeah. mom and my sister <laughs> and, and, and the John Bayock, the kid who works for me, he was like, Oh man, did you know that he was really Mark? And I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah. I know all about that. <laughs> you know, um, this is a five out of six. It's nearly flawless, but yeah, yeah. let's talk about the Travis's and the Johns of the world. And let's talk about what we kind of wanted from Moon Knight as people who like knew who Moon Knight was, knew what his deal was and knew how far you could take that fucking premise because we've seen it taken to such extreme heights, not only in its bizarre nature and its bizarre storytelling and it's like just how far out and heady it could get. Mm -hmm. This really didn't get there. And we had the potential of filmmakers at the helm such as um uh, Aaron yeah, Moorhead yeah, and Benson Justin and Benson yeah. yeah and and knowing that they were involved I'm thinking oh that is such a home run like to have two guys who have made essentially body horror movies about people who don't know what's real or what's not real anymore at the yeah. helm of this thing that sounded like a fucking home run they were not used to the potential if I didn't know who you know, Benson and Moorhead were, I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, do I think that it delivered really well on the Indiana Jones meets Fight Club thing? Yeah, I do. Uh, do I think Oscar Isaac did pretty fucking well? I, I really do. You know, he did really good. Os- um, Ethan Hawke did really good. I thought uh, Harrow, while rather one note, was a fun villain. Like a very fun, yeah, yeah. like give me a harrow over a Malekith like any day of the week. You know what I mean? <laughs> give me a harrow over a Cassilius any day of the week. At least he's fun, you know, and and involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but we got to talk about the level of action on this show and the amount of actual Moon Knight that we got on this show, and it was rather limited. There wasn't a lot of Moon Knight. Um. And the action for this character on the television series, in my opinion, felt flat. It felt very television grade. It felt very even subpar for the MCU, a franchise whose action I'm not all that crazy about all the time. You know, with mm-hmm. the obviously there's the the Winter Soldiers and there's the exceptions, the James Guns. You know, um, so in that regard, I'm going to give the show like a 3.5 out of six. You know? uh, yeah. 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 And, and I think somewhere in between how I really feel about it is like, you know, take the, the reality me- of this thing. Yeah. Take the <laughs> medium of that, like my five and my 3.5. And that's what the real score should be. Does that make sense? Like the real, cr- the critical Absolutely. moon Knight fan of me gives it a 3.5 out of six. The person who's looking at it from the outside in gives it a five out of six. The reality mm-hmm. is probably somewhere in between. 
So sorry if that's cheap. That's such a non-answer answer, and I yeah. a really long-winded one. I respect it as someone who feels that our rating system isn't quite complicated enough. It's but... very flawed. <laughs> uh, yes, I kind of am in agreement with you. I'm not going to give it another, like, two different ratings, though the temptation is there to agree with your assessment of that. Google gobble, Google you know, gobble. Yeah, yeah, if you know a lot about Moon Knight, you're going to to probably enjoy this less than someone that's just crushed the character. Uh, but yeah, yeah, for me, I will probably never rewatch the first three episodes of this series. Mm. Just because I know the, the mystery of it, and it's, there's some fun performance things, but not enough so that I'm going to want to see it again. Uh, and a fun performance I, for a character that you don't really like. You don't want to spend more time with Stephen Grant that you don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'll endure him later on whenever he's <laughs> doing stuff with Ghost Rider or whatever. Mm -hmm, but yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. But yeah, it's it's a three out of five for me. Uh, three point five out of six, rather. I I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I now I was going to say you stole my rating, but yeah, yeah, that is exactly what I would rate it. Yeah, and again, I think the Marvel Studios method of storytelling on Disney Plus has given us like a very well-tuned, fine-oiled machine that's effective at producing stories that are like not bad. Um, yes, we've had some standouts. We've had some standouts there are the WandaVisions, there are the good episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier that, yes. like, blew me away. Uh, and then there's the finale of Moon Knight, which is just, like, you know, I hate to say, like, we're... I'm not going to even say, like, we're waiting in a sea of mediocrity because, like, we're getting a lot of content that I'm really liking. I just... Sometimes it feels like content, and that's a bummer, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even though they left stuff open-ended where I don't really know how or where they're going to pick up on it, it's... I think a little better than prematurely ending a story like like with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where Winter Soldier's uh, journal was just wrapped up by the end. Sure, and that's that could have gotten several seasons of my name, several seasons of my name as a role out of that. <laughs> Absolutely, you could have. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and it's kind of the rare Marvel project um, that that leaves things off weirder than than when we found them you know what i mean mm -hmm. and and there's still room for it to get weirder but it doesn't necessarily have to also yeah 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 and that's appealing so um yeah it's funny we're kind of both in agreement we often do see eye to eye uh even though my dr strange score was a lot less <laughs> uh, it was a lot weaker than yours <laughs> yes um yes, uh... but um but but we've pretty much been on board with the same takes on this show since, since the get go. So um, I will miss the adventures of, uh, of Mark Spector and the funky bunch, but um, who knows? Maybe they'll, we'll see him down the road in midnight suns. Um, <laughs> and with that being said, Travis, before we wrap up for the evening, let's talk about a little bit of news, comic book, media, Marvel related and elsewhere. What's the first thing that we wanted to talk about today, my friend? 
I mean, the first thing is the biggest thing, and it's uh, She-Hulk's release date uh, being August the 17th, uh, potentially. And I guess it, an inadvertent posting from the UK side, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hopefully that's the case, because it's not too far away, and I'm ready to see that show. Uh, my expectations for this show, of what I think it's going to be in my head, mm-hmm. are absurdly high. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I've read the John Byrne run recently, and a lot of stuff from that period of time doesn't hold up as very well, but that series is still fucking great. Uh, it's still witty and funny and uh, creative. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I've heard uh, there have been rumors about this one that maybe it's uh, a little dicey. Uh, In regards to what? The quality. Uh, where then again, it could just be them showing you to test audiences and test audiences being the stupidest humans imaginable. And yeah. <laughs> Not understanding why this is happening or whatever, so who knows? Maybe it'll be great. Uh, the actress I got to play her is great. So. Oh, did you watch Orphan Black? Uh, the first season and like bits and pieces, yeah. Yeah, it, it totally ruled. And you mentioned John Burns' run on She Hulk, but I'll even like double that and say the Dan Slot run, and then also one mm-hmm. that's not talked about as much is the uh, Charles Soule run on, on mm-hmm. She-Hulk from my precious Marvel now area that, uh, I constantly go back to where also, the current run is pretty decent so far. I don't know if you've been reading it. I have it's... been. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blast. Yeah, my boy Jack of hearts in there and he's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> they have like a great part where like She-Hulk like tears her pantyhose and she's just like, fuck, like right in the first issue. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is some She-Hulk ass shit. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, where Hulk has this duality to him, the man or the monster, the Jekyll and Hyde. She Hulk is so cool and comfortable and confident with being a giant green She Hulk all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's great. Like she's such Jennifer Walters is such a fun and proud character (laughs) that, um, is, is intelligent. Uh, has a career she's like a career woman you know what i mean Mm -hmm. she likes to have a good time she also likes to superhero on occasion um yeah i said superhero last out of all those things because that's like kind of the last thing i associate with she hulk and not in a bad way like Mm -hmm. her her adventures and and the best stories with she hulk are like kind of the comedic ones where it's like balancing life and work as a giant green woman it working as a lawyer and it's a field that's yeah, yeah. mostly only meant like that's so fucking cool that Allie McBeal but a giant green Hulk lady mm-hmm. is so much fucking fun um we know uh Charlie Cox obviously is like back in the MCU as as Matt Murdock I think this would yeah, be yeah. a great place for him to pop up I'll be a little disappointed if we don't get them in a scene together this one like they're both superheroes practicing law how can you not do that at some point even maybe not season one i guess but i mean even if it's just a courtroom scene and like one of them's like you're out of line and they just turn and it's like you know it's just charlie cox like sitting there Mm -hmm. i'd be totally happy with that um 
the the Charles Soul runs funny because like Charles Soul's like an actual lawyer. Um, that's like his real job. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he writes comics on the side. Um, and that was at the time where Steve Rogers was old. That's when Falcon first became. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there was this like trial of Captain America where She-Hulk uh, was actually um, the prosecutor against uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers and Matt Murdock yeah. was his lawyer. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is so much fun. You know, this is such a fun gimmick. Um, mm-hmm. And also you mentioned the John Byrne run that was kind of uh, with the exception of some Grant Morrison stuff with uh, animal man, when comics started acknowledging what they were and getting self-referential and the do sex mocking of it all, like the, mm-hmm. that was Deadpool before Deadpool. Like, I don't Absolutely. know if you know this Travis, but Deadpool, knows he's in a comic uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a mini series so yeah no uh yeah yeah i'm hoping people don't call she hope that uh deadpool revolve but it is entirely possible yeah when it's actually like the complete opposite but i yeah yeah it's i wouldn't mind a she hulk bit where she turns to the camera and she's like you know am i right you know every once in a while mm-hmm. like i wouldn't mind that at all an out of character or a fourth wall breaking recap uh, thing would be nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Granted, I don't think the episodes are going to be long enough to like I need recaps, but I, I wouldn't mind if She Hulk was eight episodes and each one was just like a thirty minute like fun thing. I think Yeah, yeah. I think they are shooting for thirty minutes or so. Uh, I am concerned about how much Hulk is going to be in there. And that's not like to, to, yeah. to take away from how good I think Mark Ruffalo has been as Bruce Banner and Hulk. I even like sweater daddy Hulk in Endgame. Like I know people like <laughs> aren't a fan of that. I think that's totally fun and like kind of fitting mm-hmm. with the character and where he was, um, you know, it ain't easy being green. Some frogs have said. Yeah. In the past, yeah. So. I I'm curious about that too, because she Hulk enjoys being she Hulk, So there's less incentive for her to, Jennifer Walters, how much are they going to splurge on that to make it look good? Uh, is that why they're 30 minutes? <laughs> it could be. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. And I'm wondering how quickly they'll get through the origin. Yeah. If they got to do it, obviously. If it's like seven episodes of origin before she gets the whole powers, I. You'll be extremely disappointed. Yeah, I will be so <laughs> bummed out. I want it to. This isn't a thing where like where Daredevil can be in just like a, a black pajama thing for ten episodes or whatever. <laughs> uh, in uh, kind of other topical news, um, my theories that the Flash movie is never going to happen <laughs> uh, seem to be confirmed. Where Ezra Miller, yeah. uh, some body... if they have to reshoot it, you may wind up being right. Uh, (laughs) they're gonna reshoot it like a third time like they've done this so many times at this point they've had five directors it's it's it's, this movie's been in the can for like two years i keep thinking about some of these movies that have like existed for like two years now you know three Mm -hmm. years sometimes like top gun maverick filmed in like fucking like 2019 i'm like just getting it you know what i mean like oh yeah yeah um, but yeah, Ezra Miller, some body cam footage from a police officer reveals him violently threatening, uh, uh, police officers and being really weird. Um, you sent this to me. It was a TMZ clip. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, I don't like to laugh at people who are currently having, I, I used to suspect substance abuse issues, uh, 
just because I I've seen that plenty before. And, sure. But yeah, yeah, it is just the the madness in his voice and what he's talking about with NFTs for assault videos. I can't do justice. I'm not great at recapping dialogue in general, but yeah, he was. He, he like said crazy rambling. Yeah, his quote was, "I was assaulted in this bar now twice in a row. I filmed myself and I got assaulted for NFT crypto art." Like, I don't know what that. Oh, means. see, uh, the way I took it was that he was filming assaults to get crypto art. I I don't know what black market he was on to make these transactions. I NFTs are on the way out. I think black pogs. Should we should we start NFTs for the podcast? <laughs> should we make the podcast available exclusively as an NFT? And, and environmentally unfriendly, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the three uh, hours of us rambling about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. <laughs> Please buy it for one million boob bucks or whatever you call them these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah his but he also talked about the flash ring bit. The, fl- yeah. the flash ring bit. And how he was begging the police officers not to take his flash ring because it means a lot and it's very valuable is insane and got me nervous because I don't know where I put my Green Lantern ring and I'm freaking out right now. So. Uh, yeah. And I, I feel bad for Ezra because they're probably going to take his flash ring. Oh, it's yeah. it's going to happen. <laughs> Do you know I lost my wedding ring eight hours after I got married? <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go over? Never knew. I recently told oh. her. Yeah, I've been divorced for about five years now. Um, and I got married, woke up really early the next day, went surfing with my friend, forgot I had the ring on. I was driving back and thought, oh, fuck, I lost this thing. And it was a uh, platinum band. It was expensive. And then I thought, oh. aluminum and shit looks like platinum, <laughs> you know, like titanium looks like platinum. Travis, there's a, I don't know if you have Kohl's by where you are, like the, uh, the mm-hmm. department yeah, store. Yeah. Okay. So I went to Kohl's, I took out a Kohl's card and I bought 10 aluminum bands for a hundred dollars <laughs> and I kept them in the glove box of my car and I would lose these things constantly. By the time I got divorced, I had like three or four of them left and they would just sit in the glove box of my car never knew anything about it. Always thought everything was fine. Um, yeah, so I, I feel you, Ezra. I wouldn't want to lose my flash ring. I know how mad people can get when you lose their rings. Uh, hopefully Warner Brothers doesn't come down on you too hard. He also declared himself a Nazi or something like that, right? Oh, no, he accused the person he attacked of uh, saying that they were a Nazi or something. Yeah, yeah. And then he told the police, if you guys don't go light him up, I'm going to go light him up. and like, Oh, no, that was the uh, the civilian that he attacked. Whatnot. The civilian was telling the police. And they even are in jest. Pardon me. Unless the police weren't there, unless he may have. <laughs> I hope Ezra Miller gets help. I, I like Ezra yeah, Miller yeah. as yeah, an yeah. actor. And I, I like his portrayal as the Flash. I think the pocket dog sequence of uh, the Schneider cuts, the best part of that movie, honestly. Um. <laughs> Also, kind of news. Did you hear that uh, it was pretty much confirmed that uh, Twitter bots rigged the Oscars for the Schneider Cut? I did see that. Yeah, yeah. Who who would have known that fucking there weren't actual human beings that liked it that much? (laughs) (laughs) Enough of them, rather. I know there are some that like it. 
a lot. But yeah, who yeah. would have known that it was just a really small but extremely vocal minority on the internet screaming as loud as possible at the top of their lungs to get this thing to become a thing? Uh, so yeah, not real news. Uh, <laughs> um, also, like not real news, but spoilers for Multiverse of Madness. But uh, in I, I guess Daniel Craig was cast for that at one point. Uh, it's speculation who he was playing, but Baldur the Brave was originally rumored uh, to be part of the Illuminati. Uh, I thought it sounded completely ludicrous at the time because my uh, Baldur the Brave isn't like a name character that people would pop for. I don't think in theater. Yeah, seeing them. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But he didn't want to leave London because of COVID and. Uh, I don't mind them. Not for like uh, one scene. <laughs> so like uh, the um, the thing that I saw was from uh, tweets from heavy spoilers and a writer for Deadline, this guy Justin Kroll, that actor John Krasinski oh, yeah, yeah. appearing as Earth 838's Reed Richards was not originally planned for Doctor Strange. Daniel Craig, who's obviously most famous for uh, playing... Um, Foghorn Leghorn in uh, Ryan Johnson. Most famous for being the James Bond actor uh, and the guy who wears the shit out of suits was reportedly originally set to appear as either Boulder or the Brave or or John Krasinski or or Reed Richards, basically. So, yeah. yeah. Um, better movie. I like fucking Daniel Craig. I like Boulder or the Brave. I like both I, those actors quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't wouldn't like Daniel Craig as Reed, I don't think. Uh, I just don't see him in that light. I think both him and John Krasinski are way are too qualified. Oh, yeah. I think they're way too fucking handsome to play Reed Richards. <laughs> I, like I, I rewatched the pilot for Jack Ryan and like, he's supposed to be like an everyman kind of before he becomes like mm-hmm. action hero, but he is flirting up a storm in that fucking show. And like, you know, he flirts up a storm in the office. Like, you know, he's not like hot, hot, but he kind of is, yeah. and he's like flirty, and like Reed is not flirty. Reed's like borderline on the spectrum. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? What could have been? Um, do you have any additional news? No, no, that is it. Well, uh, we have Obi Wan Kenobi coming soon. We have Miss Marvel coming soon. We have a lot on the docket because it seems like these large franchises that we hold near and dear to our hearts are seemingly never going to end. We are waiting for the fatigue to kick in, but unfortunately it's not. And the more woke they get, the less broke apparently they get. Uh, So I'm really excited because it gives you and I a reason to hang out every Saturday night and talk about this shit. And hopefully everyone out there who's listening remembers to rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform they're listening to this on. They can join in on the conversation at the MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast Facebook group. And if you really do have something to say, you can always reach out at MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast at gmail.com. That's correct. <laughs> it's getting late. It's after midnight. I can't eat because I will turn into a gremlin. But until next time, I am John. I'm Travis. And we will see you for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Bye.